Welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And my episode today is actually a re-release of an episode I only recorded about five, five and a half months ago with comedian, actress, writer, director, Whitney Cummings. Now, why am I re-releasing my episode with her? Uh, Well, it's because it is in celebration of the fact that Whitney uh, is now engaged. She was proposed to this past Labor Day weekend, and I am so thrilled. Her, Her engagement is meaningful to me. Do you want to know why? Because in this episode, she gives me so much um, valuable love, dating, and relationship, self-work uh, advice, and, and recommendations on books, and ways to navigate your life, and kind of fight past your trauma, and old ways of doing things that don't serve you. Anyway, and now she's done it. She's engaged to a wonderful man who loves her. She's happy, and uh, and it's it's a big deal. This episode is dedicated to all the women, all the girls, all the ladies who have come from chaotic backgrounds, much like myself, um, who strive to take a a good hard look at themselves, to do the self-work necessary to come out to the other side and be happy, learn how to be loved, love, and just being a and a happy, healthy, functioning, great romantic relationship. All right, I know a lot of people want that for themselves. I am one of those people. I read all the books. I read all the books that Whitney recommends in this episode, and they've changed my life. And they are, you know, and 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 I am a work in progress. They continue to change my life. I've kind of made Whitney uh, my spirit guide, wizard master, guru of uh, just, you know, love dating relationships and just, uh, and the search to better yourself and look at yourself and hold yourself accountable and uh, change your narrative. You know, you don't have to be the person uh, your your weird upbringing and family molds you into being. You can break through and fight past that and be the person you want to be that you were actually meant to be. Anyway, so this episode is, is, is in celebration of Whitney Cummings. Congratulations, Whitney Cummings. I love you. We all love you. It's a great episode. I'm happy to re-release it. Um, and any of you out there who maybe you're, you're single, you're dating, you male, female, whoever you are, whatever you're into, it's a great episode regardless. But if you are in a relationship or you're searching or you're struggling or what have you, I swear to God, there's so many kernels of knowledge and wisdom in this episode. Um, you're really going to enjoy it. And uh, you know what else can I tell you? Listen. Here's the pivotal, pertinent podcast uh, information I have to throw out there every single episode and every single intro. If you like this podcast, if you like the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment, tell all of your friends, uh, anyone who will listen about the podcast because uh, subscribers help me grow the show. And if we're not friends on social media, if you and I are not friends on Instagram, well, that's a fucking travesty. We gotta we gotta write that wrong immediately. So uh, let's be friends on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. And uh, if you are interested in advertising on the Love Alexi podcast, send an email to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. 
Also, the Love Alexi podcast is a listener-supported, independent podcast. So if you want to advertise on the show, fantastic. But if you simply want to make a financial donation, I would love that. Feel free to do so. You can do that by uh, Venmo even, via Venmo at Alexi Wasser, or you can subscribe to my Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash Alexi. And uh, what else can I tell you? I'm excited about this episode. I had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. I hope everybody had a safe, happy, long weekend. What did I do? Oh my God, it was very romantic. I am still in my relationship uh, for the past uh, six months. It's six months today. And uh, God, what didn't I do? I went to the beach. I walked around every bit of Los Angeles holding hands with my boyfriend. It was, uh, it's enough to make everybody here vomit. So, uh, but you know what? Since this episode is kind of dedicated to love, fuck you. How dare you? I'm going to tell you what I did this weekend. Um, you know, brunches were involved. Uh, I had a screwdriver at one point during the day. It was uh, very exciting. Um, I'm not going to get in the habit of that, but it was kind of lovely for the long, long weekend. I went to Malibu. Uh, I went to Third Sea Promenade. I went to see. I went to a butterfly exhibit at the Natural History Museum where I got to hang out with a bunch of butterflies, and I got in trouble. Uh, of course, I got in trouble. I, I think I actually, like a, a three-year-old tripped over my big foot, fell face down, didn't get hurt, didn't even cry, but that was at the butterfly exhibit. And then shortly after that, I got in trouble because I tried to touch a butterfly. So it's like classic me. But it was still a great weekend. I saw a movie called Juliet Naked, which, uh, you know what? Google it. Um, I liked it. Ethan Hawke, um, Chris O'Dowd, Rose Byrne. I liked it. I didn't love it. It was fine. I saw that. Um, What else happened? I went to the Jim Henson exhibit at the Skirball Center. It was the final uh, weekend for that. And, uh, and I, I ran into the ocean and I swam in the ocean. And uh, that's a rarity. Usually I like sitting on the beach looking at the ocean because it's freezing cold and I'm kind of scared to go in because of seaweed and sharks and what have you. But I went in and uh, so did the boyfriend. I'm going to try not to say boyfriend too many times, but as you can tell, I'm still very excited and it's still new for me to have a boyfriend. Uh, so I say that word a lot and it sounds foreign coming out of my mouth. Um, but yeah, you can play the drinking game too. If every time I say it, you want to have a shot of something, that's fine, but like be safe. Anyway, uh, we ran into the ocean together and I held on to him and it was great. And we we're like in the, it was just felt very uh, cathartic. It felt very grounded. It felt very like, I don't know, farm to table. I don't know. It felt great. So I had a lovely weekend. Um, and uh, side note of a side note, here's something I noticed that I just remembered because uh, I was driving back from the beach with my boyfriend and we passed by, I didn't tell this to him and I really doubt he's listening. I passed by the house of um, a, a boyfriend that I had years prior who, you know, and it was a serious relationship. It was, it was, a, it was a good relationship. It wasn't that long. I don't know, maybe it was about a year, but it was very meaningful. And uh, that boyfriend had asked me to move in with him and I, I didn't really take that seriously. And it was interesting. I think that was like the last boyfriend that I had who lived in Los Angeles because after that I would have like these long distance, I had a long, long distance relationship. Anyway, so it was kind of 
weird to be in the car with this new person that I'm like falling in love with, um, who I really care about. And it's a very serious relationship to me. It is serious to both of us. And to have this like silent knowing because Los Angeles and, you know, California is where I'm from and there are all these memories spread out everywhere I go. But to have this silent inner knowing of like, oh, wow, there's so-and-so's house. Wow. I wonder who lives there now because he doesn't. And uh, I almost started tearing up, not because I miss the ex-boyfriend, but because of like, wow, how just the fact that life goes on and things happen and, you know, the, the ebb and flow of life and the past and memories and all these things and how one person kind of changes you and maybe things aren't right or now you know better and, and wouldn't do the same. I don't know. But also there's this also another moment where I just thought about how in, I'm sure a lot of the relationships I've been in, but in that relationship with this guy that I'm referring to now from the past, whose house I, I drove past, um, by accident with my current boyfriend with him and with a recent guy I, I, I dated maybe like, you know, at some point early in 2017, there were these two things that happened that linger with me. And what happened was, what happened was, um, there are two instances with each where the guy would tell me what I was thinking about them and how I was judging them. And they were so wrong. They were completely wrong, you know? And I thought, wow, it's so bizarre and dangerous and I just can't stand projection. But it happens. And it's so uncomfortable when you're like so close to someone and you have sex with someone and you love someone or you like really want to be as close to them as, as, any, like, as possible and more close to them than anybody else. And you really think you're on the same page. And then, and then they like completely misread you. And I know what that feels like because I do it to people too. Like I'll, I'll project how someone feels about me onto them and I'll tell them like, I know you feel this way and like I could tell and blah, blah, and I'm so smart and I could tell and I, I can read it in your face and your actions and like I know that's how you feel. And they're like, what are you talking about? But I'm like, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. I'm vigilant. Like, I'm, nobody's going to pull a fast one on me. Or, or, or even if I'm not vigilant, I feel it. I feel like I'm so right. Like I, I can judge somebody's thoughts and like their facial expressions and their intention. And But it was such a wake-up call like when, you know, to be in these situations with these men and they're telling me like what my facial expression meant or, or how I felt about them in a moment that had gone by. Oh, Alexi, like I knew, you know, when I gave you this thing or when you walked in and I was laying in bed and I seemed like insecure or weak, you judged me and you didn't like me because I, I was like, what? No, both of these guys were so wrong. It's so interesting how you can misread people. It's so nice when you can do, when you can do somebody the, the give somebody the, what is the word? Nah. Like, do them the service of like just not assuming you know, because you really never know. And maybe give people the benefit of the doubt. 
when it comes to what they might be thinking of you or whatever. And also like remember that it's none of your business. You're probably wrong as much as you think you might be right. You're probably wrong. I just think it's an interesting thing. It happens with people all the time where we like, you know, even with Instagram, it's all such a lie, you know, like everybody's like curating this idea of what they look like and, and this curating like their life and how glamorous it is. And then you actually talk to them on the phone and they're like in debt and miserable and like the opposite of everything you thought is true. You know, it's just like, we have no idea what's really going on inside the minds of people or what's happening in people's lives. Anyway, that's just a, an aside. Um, I'm going into a deep wormhole in my mind's eye right now trying to uh, convey these uh, momentary fleeting thoughts that I had over the past few days. Anyway, uh, where was I? Next week on this podcast, I have a brand new episode where I talk to a uh, comedian, uh, DJ Doug Pound. I call him, I mean, that's not his God-given name. How dare you? But uh, yeah, he goes by DJ Doug Pound. He's hilarious. He's a comedic genius. Uh, so look forward to that. It's a great episode. He has just gotten back from Burning Man and we explore every aspect of Burning Man and love. And just, it's, a, it's just an existential conversation about feeling stagnant as an artist and uh, how you get over that and uh, just a lot of great stuff in that conversation. But until then, I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with the newly engaged, always thriving, inspiration, comedian, actress, writer, director, uh, spirit guide guru for me, uh, Whitney Cummings. We did it. We did it. Are you rolling? It's oh my God, we're rolling. You're there. Is this okay? Yes, yes. And you are so nice to do this. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I feel it's, terrible no. that I keep on. Um, no. I have to reschedule. Wait, embarrassing. What's her name? Is it Hanul? Can Hanul. I say Hanul? We're recording now. Is that okay? You just jump right in. Oh, we're just jumping right in. Is, that, it's, is this the ambush podcast? I'm trying to ruin your life. Approach. I mean, that's the thing. You can't no. even say hi to someone. Even- we're rolling. <laughs> We want to know about how you, if you were parked okay. Why would America want to know uh, the world? It's for me, it's for me to cut. If I, oh, if I, okay. I'll, I'll totally, you know, I'm not trying to ruin your life, but. Uh, no, it's too late. That's what Pete Holmes does too. He starts I know. I just copy him. I just do whatever it's he true. does. It's true. I, I don't know what I think I'm preparing for. I don't know why I think I need a moment. No, you need a moment. I need a moment. I just, I'm just, my, you know, my biggest fear in life is being boring. Is being born? Yeah. Bo- boring. Okay. Because I'm... born was a, was <laughs> was a nightmare. Never, that was number one. <laughs> that oh wasn't God. great either. Uh, we, okay. So we got... Oh, wait. Can you hear yourself? Are you feeling good? Oh, I didn't even... You don't even need headphones, headphones if you don't I mean, want. I feel like... You had a blowout. You're perfect. One, one skill I do have is being heard. You are being heard <laughs> is by, Amer- by the world. I feel like I can't hear me that well. No. We could have fixed this before, but no. whatever. Oh, I can. Great. Okay. Um, you are great. I agree. So we're settling in. Mm-hmm. You're the busiest woman in showbiz. Not true. It is Thank so you. true. Okay. I'm like bonding with your personal assistant. I love it. I was like, no worries, girl. I'm like, I'm saying girl. It's so dumb. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Hanul. I like everything you're doing. Oh my God. Thank you. Um, God, okay. I have, I have copious notes. Now it looks like a little bit like memento vibes. Like I'm going to murder you. I'll need a no, lot. It looks like a suicide. <laughs> It's your suicide. I wrote it showing me like a piece of paper that just has a bunch of words on it (laughs) that are just like (laughs) horrific. What I like your handwriting there. It's so dainty. It is. Well, this this is the hysterical real me, and then this is what I'm trying to present so I can understand myself when I look at it. You know what I think about you? Oh God, here we go. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, because you know that I'm obsessed with you. I have a deep in, uh, infatuation with you. Is this because we look alike, but you're prettier? Do you think we look alike? I think that is like, a huge compliment. Oh my God. No, I thought that was like, rude of me because I didn't want you to think like, uh, no ugly. I don't think you look like me at all, Wait. Alexi. How dare you? Because if I look, well, we, we both have such bad body dysmorphia and facial we, dysmorphia. I, we don't know what we look like. No, I think we're both beautiful, but I think we look related. Is that okay? I think you are so gorgeous that I do. I think you have the best face. Am I a narcissist? Uh, <laughs> am I? If I look like you? <laughs> we're like, I love you. Oh, I'm in the matrix. Oh, I need God. to get out. Um, no, I just think I have this lip balm. This, oh my God. Oh, this is so weird. This is the rose plum, the darkest color, right? Oh, I, yes, I have this. That's and it's my like favorite. sparkles in it. You guys can't see us, but there's this Neutrogena. It, look, it looks kind of gross. I'm, it does. Please. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. This <laughs> is covered in just mold and hepatitis, but <laughs> there's a chapstick by Neutrogena. You guys should be sponsors and send Miss um, <gasps> Wasser all your money. Yes. It has sunscreen in it and it's tinted. I have this too. Um, you, why this are is, you putting in Listerine strips? Are we going to make out? I want to be fresh for you at all. Who knows what's okay. going to happen? It's a tangential journey. What did you eat this morning that you need Listerine strips and spray? It's actually... I am so addicted to these things yeah. that I will go out. They have alcohol on them. They do. I'm not yeah. I'm not in the program. Yeah, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> Should I be? What are you telling me? How dare I'm just, you? I'm just saying they are probably addictive. Surely they cause cancer. That's totally fine. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, all right. But so does stress. So stressing out about so it is probably worse yeah, for you. Yeah. We got to relax on my relationship with Listerine Mint Spray. But... Okay. Are they sponsors? They are not, but I, okay, we got it. We're going to try to work towards sponsors. After this episode comes out with you and my numbers go up, oh, like, let's this, see. This we'll is, see. This we'll is, tweet it. We'll blog it. Tumblr, is, Vine. Let's go. This is let's clearly, get it out there. You don't need this podcast. I need this podcast. Okay. No, this is what I was about to say about you is that you, I'm fascinated by you, and I can't tell if it's like a habit or if it's like, because you do not read to have anything of, do not reek. That was weird. You do not seem to me to have anything about you that's inauthentic, but you, present yourself as being this kind of mess, like met neurotic mess, but you're actually so together. That seems oddly familiar, Whitney Cummings. <laughs> That's weird. God. No, and then we'll talk about you. <laughs> that, um, but I just, I love that about you. I love that you're just sort of so complicated. You're very Annie Hall. Has anyone ever made that comparison to you? You're like a gorgeous emo sexy, not that Annie Hall wasn't, um, like brilliant Annie Hall. You're like the modern Annie. You're Los Feliz Annie Hall. And the funny thing is I live by Erewhon in the Grove. No one believes that. I know because my haircut. Nobody my believes it. I can't believe you're saying, you don't understand. Those I, high-waisted 80s jeans and your bangs betray you, girl. Oh my God. Well, take a sip of your drink while I say this. Okay. Oh God, what was I going to say now? Oh, this is the most vulnerable thing I'll ever tell you mm. ever. Uh, so let's do it in front of a microphone because why not? Um, and I want to talk about how we met and I have a million, million questions that are important because you're always in the Joe Rogan podcast talking about, you know, bonobos and stuff and you're oh. so brilliant. You can talk about anything. But I, for this podcast and for the, for the women that listen and the awoken men who listen or whatever, yeah. I want to, you know, I want to talk about uh, all the self-care, all the self-work you've done, yeah. dating, the int- intricacies of dating. Yeah. Everybody's... DMing me about like your skincare because they all say you look like a nubile baby. That's they're gorgeous. <laughs> really funny. But uh oh, this was my question. Hold on, stay with me. Oh fuck, if I forget it. You are so charming. It's annoying. Oh, really? Yeah, you're incredibly likable. Incredibly charming, endearing, all of it. Charismatic. Stop it. What were you gonna ask? Okay, so I'm doing all this self-work, right? So uh-huh. I'm doing all this like hypnotherapy and every time I see, I see like once a year, luckily, oh my God, I feel like three times this year. It's yeah. like a goddamn miracle. What would you miracle. say, and I know that all your listeners probably know this, what would you say your biggest life challenge is? 
What's the hypnotherapy for? Uh, well, do, I'm doing all these workshops. Okay. My shadow. So your problem is you're addicted to workshops. I'm addicted to workshops. <laughs> <laughs> That's your problem. Oh my God. I, I feel like I, going to workshops is not going to solve it. Well, I know. Actually, I'm starting to get stressed out about like not doing my workshops because I'm trying to... And then I'm like, what's important anymore? I didn't meditate. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. So you're using self-help to weaponize yourself and hurt yourself. That's what oh, I do they, too. God, you do that too? Well, yeah, no. I mean, I think that there is an element of like, you know, we're, I think we're all trying to to do is is work on our perfectionism and self-love, but sometimes we use things that are supposed to make us love ourselves actually to hate ourselves more. Yeah. Right? I didn't do the workshop right. I'm not the prettiest person in the workshop. Yeah. I, I didn't meditate well enough. And we're using all these things that are supposed to make us feel good about ourselves actually make us feel worse. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a fine line. So I'm trying not to beat myself up for those things. Right. I'm just like, be gentle with myself, be kind to myself, just mm-hmm. whatever. But in one of these workshops I do, I do these like Lacey Phillips free and native workshops. And it's, yeah. and uh, one of them is like to reparent yourself and the reparent one. Yeah, it's a big one. They talk about like uh, having women, again, the most vulnerable thing I'll ever say to you <laughs> and in front of a microphone. Just spill water all over myself. Are you okay? Do something. But uh, are you okay? Yes, I'm totally okay. fine. I'm just clumsy. So we, so you do this hypnotherapy. I thought it was going to be bullshit. All of a sudden, it's like working. I'm like on it. I'm like in some enchanted forest. We'll talk about that book you recommended oh, too. Yeah. And it's like you're in a room, and now conjure up an image of of a of a woman who represents like an expander, someone you look to that that, that you identify with, who is everything you like. Just like an example of like a powerhouse woman who inspires you. Yeah. All of a sudden. This is only a few weeks ago. You pop up in no my way. hypnotherapy. No I'm, way. I was like, no way. Million. Yeah. No way. And yes. And I'm like having wow. a conversation and you're like in my hypnosis. I'm not going to murder you. I swear. Like uh, I, that is the, that is actually the kindest thing anyone's ever said to me. And I'll, I, I, that could make me cry. It could make me cry. Yeah. That Now I feel pressure to not reveal any flaws about myself. No. So I don't no. want to be revoked from your dreams. No, but it's, but it's a beautiful thing because I, and I real throw it over to you and stop ranting in a minute. Please but, don't. But, but like, as a person who's gone through, I, I want to talk about your childhood and everything and how oh you God. became so driven and, and how you ended up just, it's all about you. But yeah, you're this example of like this powerhouse person who, who it's like a, as my therapist would say, a lotus flower. You, you grow through the muck, you go through all the, the stuff that you need to go through that's problematic and turmoil and you blossomed in this incredibly beautiful, intelligent... I don't know shit about botany, so okay. is a lotus flower... It comes up to the muck, and it goes through oh, hell, and then it's it. gorgeous. Okay, and then, got, and then it, got it's, it, got it's it. It's wonderful. It's expansive. And so, yeah, and so it's so wonderful. Like, I'm actually across... It's meaningful to me to have moderated your, your movie, The Female Brain, which mm-hmm. is so incredible, and we will talk about that, too, and to sit in front of you and, and for you to make time to be on my podcast. It's It's not... It's not taken for granted, so thank you. Thank you. I was feeling it taken advantage of until now. (laughs) I was really feeling like this is a very vampiric environment. No, I'm such a big fan of yours. Let's stop. uh, uh, I'll stop doing that so we can actually dig into something your viewers are like, this is getting real lesbian-y. Just get on with it. Stop sucking each other's dick. Jesus. (laughs) Um, How did you get so driven? Like, what... How did, like when did you start doing stand up? Where'd you come from? It's tricky because like and I no one you know I try to when I go on podcast not say anything that is googleable because I just don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, but it's tricky. It's like the the weird part about me being driven at least in the beginning. Um, I was very much a puppet of my fears and character defects and um, pain. So it's not you know I, I never want to be like you know the reason that. 
I was so driven is because essentially I was very broken and I was very desperate to get attention and love and build a family out of other broken toys, comics, actors, TV sets, whatever, you know, essentially my motive in the beginning was actually not healthy at all. So that's why I get, it's tricky when people are like, what motivates you? Like, and I'm like, it's not a good engine at all. A lot of it was, um, out of, uh, a fear of not being enough and defining myself through my productivity and being so desperate for love and attention that I think my brain subconsciously was like, you know, maybe if you get on TV, your dad will love you, you know? So that's, that's not, you know, I, I know that now there is a healthy motive, uh, to be being productive and prolific and ambitious and all those things. But in the beginning, it didn't start off in a particularly healthy way. What's the new motive? The new motive is to be of service. Um, to people and to create the kind of stuff that I wish had been available to me when I was younger and suffering, you yeah. know, and was lost, you know. So I made a neurology movie solely, not for the money, not for the, the fame and accolades or anything, because there's no such thing as a neurology comedy. There's, there's, you know, um, I made it because I wish it had been available to me when I was 22 and struggling with hormones and think everyone telling me I was crazy and thinking I was crazy and getting gaslit and not understanding at all how the engine of my life, my brain works. How did that come to be? Was that like, because you originally, you, a pilot was happening, it was called A Lot, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And was that, and that was based on the book that ended up being the movie, The Female I Brain? I can't believe you remember that. That was actually a different book. That was a book that was a, uh, by Maureen Dowd, the journalist. It was called, um, and for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, um, I made a pilot for HBO that didn't end up happening um, for a litany of reasons. Um, Why? I, I think it's very important to remind people that I fail all the time. Oh. <laughs> it's Because I think that a lot of times, when you see things that people have made, you don't realize for every one thing that gets made, nine things don't get made. And I tested for this pilot. The yes. only pilot I've ever tested for. And you were Does anyone know what that even means? For those of you that them. aren't in Hollywood, it basically means when you audition actors, you know, I really wanted someone to, you know, play my friend and you have them all come in. Alexi came in and she auditioned and I was just this beguiling oh, unicorn came quiet. in and you, I mean it. I mean, you audition hundreds and hundreds of people and she came in and I was very, very smitten and taken uh, with her. And so basically you bring like three people to the network. It's very stressful. It's very hard. Uh, it's, you know, and possibly um, the pressure is, is intense. So it's basically the top three finalists and Lexi was one of them. So I tested and you were so kind. And when I remember I came back for the second call back, I was so nervous. I had to leave the room because I hate auditioning. I just, and I'm so... Do you I'm, ever take beta blockers? And you told oh, me. Oh, yeah, yes. And I have them in my bag. I took two today. Oh yeah. Do you take them too? I take them because I get really bad migraines. Oh, you do? And I have found out over, after 10 years of figuring out, is it hormonal? Is it from smell? Is it from light? Is it from, you know, vision? Is it, I, I wrote a book all about it. If you guys have migraines, just just read it. I can't sum it up here. It's Name too, of the book. It's Name of the book. Boring. It's called I'm Fine and Other Lies. And um, it turns out my migraines are triggered by our internal medicine cabinet, adrenaline and cortisol. So when I get stressed out, my brain produces adrenaline or cortisol. That's when I start not being able to see out of my one of my eyes, and then I get a migraine. So I take uh, beta blockers because essentially it stops the production of adrenaline. So if anybody gets nervous, nervous auditions, meetings, dates, whatever, it's yeah. a nice tool, but... Um, you know, it doesn't make you tired. It essentially just makes you less nervous. Yeah, it has no bad side effects. No, I mean, I don't think well, it does. It's, it's not ideal. To Snort it. Everybody yeah, yeah. As you say, it's a, we've said that about yeah. cigarettes in the fifties. Totally. We've said we've said that about a lot of things. So yeah. who knows? In fifty years, this could be actually poison. Yeah, but. I think it won like a Nobel. It won some kind of prize. I can't remember what what it actually won. Some some incredible. Well, what's prize. nice about it is it stops you from being nervous without making you tired. Like yeah. Xanax, all that shit just makes you groggy. Yeah, I've never tried any of it. But you told me yeah. you're. you're 
you were like, okay. So, so I left the room. I came back in, settled into it. You're so loving and kind and graceful. Just incredible. At one point you... You were like laughing so hard. I stopped because I thought you were giving me a note. And then the director. You make uh, me laugh very I, hard. I do? Yes. That's how I feel about you. Really? I can't Thank believe it. We should never not be apart. Wait, is that <laughs> wrong? We should never. Who cares? Anyway. But, uh, and then I just remember you like texting me being like, because you were texting me, you got my number. I was like, oh my God, we're becoming sexy. It's so crazy. And you were like, come with the beta blockers in your blood, not your purse. Like, like. I uh, said that? Yeah, when, you, when you were like, when, uh, before I went to go to, you know, HBO or whatever. And I was like, will do. You got it, babe. Like, I was like, oh. It's funny yeah. the idea of like, get beta blockers. You're like, I have them. It's like, yeah, no, I need you to take them. Yeah, put them in your bloodstream immediately. <laughs> but uh, okay, wait. So that a lot was based on this other book by Maureen Dowd. Okay, so a lot was. It was based on a couple of, it was called it a lot. Let me tell go. you, it didn't go. And I think I still might do it somewhere. Basically, it was like a lot of reasons it didn't happen and other networks wanted to do it. But I kind of like stepped back and was like, just let me regroup. Cause sometimes when I try to force something to happen, I have to really look at what my motives are, you know, and that's another story. But it's based on, um, for all you women listening and men listening, how about this? I feel like uh, women have, kind of worked hard to have a voice, right? And to have hobbies and jobs and careers and da-da-da. And it's kind of new that women have big lives and uh, big personalities and permission to be funny and aggressive and um, luminary and all of it. And I was in a relationship with a guy who we got in a fight. You know the scene because you read it. And uh, he was like, you know what you are? And, you know, in my brain, you're like, let me guess. Am I, am I a bitch? Am I a cunt? Like, what are, like, of all of the things that I've been called? Psycho, what am I? You know, and he goes, you know, you're just, you're just a lot. And it was weirdly the most painful insult I've ever heard because it was like, no, I've worked so hard to be a lot. Like, I've worked so hard to yeah. be all these things. And then and now I'm too big for a man that I love. Like, I'm too much. I have to make myself smaller. And it was sort of this really pivotal moment in my life where I had to choose, are you going to make yourself smaller and dim your light? Or are you going to stay big and just wait for the person who can match that and handle it? Yeah. And so ultimately, um, a lot of for a lot of reasons, I ended up, you know, going the other way and staying a lot. But I think that, you know, we're in this amazing time where women are, you know, big and, and, um, being celebrated, but there is a little bit of shame that, um, comes up for me of, are you being too big? Are you too ambitious? Are you too loud? Are you talking too much? Yeah. And I constantly sort of struggle with that. So how do you strike a balance? Cause you're, I read something where you're saying how now you do, are you in a relationship now? I am. You are fifteen months. Fifteen months. Yeah. No. Yeah. I met on the internet. You did. Yeah. I met on an app. Oh my god. Yeah. I took nine months off dating to get my head right. I you, think it worked. Oh, what, what did you do in nine months? I well, kind of what I started realizing was this is so obvious that uh, I missed it, but I started realizing like you know, be the person that you want to date. And if you're a mess, you're just going to keep vibrating messes, right? Yeah. If you're hectic, you're just going to keep vibrating hectic people. And I was like, let me just get myself, because I kept looking to external things to meet my internal needs. And I kept blaming everybody else. He's not going to, he's not this, he's not this. I can't find a, mind, a man that's good enough. And then I was like, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm just not attracting the right kind of person. So I just sort of stopped down. We've talked about a lot of the books. Maybe we'll get to them. I want to talk about that. I read books. and then I did. And I just took nine months off and just sat on the bench. And I was like, let me sort of work on these things that are going to attract the kind of person I don't want. And so that I can finally get to a place where I can attract the kind of person I do want. And when the person that I do want comes along, I'm ready. Yeah. And I don't screw it up. 
I was talking because I'm reading a book that you recommended to me. I'm reading Getting the Love You Want. Li- listening to it because I only listen to my books. Worst title of the best book. I know. It's actually, thank God for freaking Amazon now. Because I remember one time when I first found out about that book, I went into Barnes & Noble to ask for it. This must have been seven, eight years ago. And I went up to the woman. This was back when you'd freaking go into bookstores. And I was like, I need a book because I needed it like right away. Yeah. It was before like Amazon drones and I couldn't wait four days because yeah. I was in suffering. And I went in <laughs> to ask the woman. I was like, uh, I need a book. It's called... Um, yeah. It's called Get Yeah. It's so hard to say the title. It's called Getting the Love You Want. It's the worst. And she, no joke, went over the loudspeaker. She's like, Getting the Love You Want. We need, I was like, I literally ran out of the store. It was awful. Oh my God. They were right. Everyone was like, Getting the Love You Want. No. Like, it could not have been more embarrassing. Yeah. Excellent book. Harville Hendrix is, is incredible. The, for those of you listening that are like, Why aren't you telling us what it's about? You're wasting our time. No. It's about how we're attracted to people who have the negative qualities of our primary caretakers. So essentially, you keep, seeking to fix unfinished business from your past with the relationships you're in and to heal old wounds. Well, so now that I'm reading it, I was talking about this with another one of my girlfriends. We were saying, well, God, as women, you know, we're doing all the work, we're doing the hypnotherapy, we're reading Codependent No More, we're reading Through the Enchanted or Leaving the Enchanted Forest, yeah. getting the love you want. But the men don't do the work. None of them are the men doing the work. They're not doing the work. And then I just only just thought about this maybe when we as women, or maybe when I do the work, yeah. I'll I'll pick a guy who's healthy. Or they'll gravitate towards you. So it's like, my thing was like, the men aren't doing this, the men aren't doing this. Like, no, not just not the men I meet. Yeah. You know, just not the men I'm gravitating. What were you, was there like a habit? And again, you don't tell me anything. Uh, you narcissists, malignant narcissists are just my, I was just recreating my childhood circumstances. It was just Harville Hendrix 101, you know, essentially, and this is why I'm so obsessed with neurology is we're, our brains crave equilibrium, right? And our brains have a very specific cocktail of neurochemicals that makes us feel safe and comfortable based on the first, you know, 15 years of our life. So we go out into the world and we just try to find the people that create the same neuro cocktail, the adrenaline, the cortisol that, uh, and, um, I just learned this when I was making this movie is adrenaline turns into dopamine. So adrenaline is a drug. Dopamine is what you get from cocaine and weed and all this stuff. So if you get, someone gives you adrenaline, i.e. makes you nervous, scared, panicked, you're going to get dopamine out of that. So we get addicted to negative situations very quickly. That's all I do. Right. So it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing and a great way to have compassion for yourself. If you keep being in bad relationships and are sort of addicted to the drama and the passion and the fighting, that's a very, very real addiction that I have. I had to do 28 days, no adrenaline to try to weed my brain off it. How did you do that? Um, I basically did like put my phone, when I used my phone, I had to put, um, I didn't check email and stuff. I had somebody else check email and text and stuff for me for a while and only give me things before that, you know, just not bring me any fires. Essentially, I just stopped down. Like I went to visit my brother in London and hang out with his kids. I went to the Maldives. That's how far away I had to get in order to do it. But I really had to do like a basically the way that you would uh, detox off of drugs and alcohol or any chemical. I had to do that with adrenaline because I was so addicted to adrenaline and my tolerance for it was so high. And if I wasn't getting it, I would kind of subconsciously create situations that would give me some. Yeah. You know, everything for simple things like if I had to be somewhere at five o'clock and it took half an hour to get there, I'd leave at 4 30. Oh, shit. No, you don't cut it that close. You leave at 4.15 and allow for life to happen for, you know, an accident or you run into a friend or you need to stop and get coffee or if you need to pee or whatever. Like I was constantly putting myself in a situation where I was always going to have 
as much adrenaline as possible. Oh, is that why people procrastinate? Sure. Well, procrastination Writing? is, for yeah. me, procrastination is, um, and this is like a 12-step thing, but um, oh, it has to do with perfectionism. Perfectionism leads to procrastination, which leads to paralysis. So for me, I procrastinate because like, if it's not perfect, I can't keep going. Yeah. So that's like a, a tricky thing for me. Oh God, I know we're all over the place. It's tangential, and I don't want to lose the track of. of Sorry, the we were brain. talking about. Uh, we, no, we were talking about um, getting the love you want and recreating your oh, circumstances. Well, oh no, but I think I came through it where it's like the guys, whatever. But, but it's like this: you have to change your insides in order to change your outsides. Yeah, and you're right. Like if I'm doing the work, something nicer or on that level, on, on the same frequency or yeah. vibration or whatever word you yeah. want to use, will gravitate towards. Yeah, and it's weird because I feel like I've hit this moment for the first time in my life. Because I'm doing all this work, and that's yeah. again, that's why, like, I look to you and I go, oh "My God, look at this!" You know, this and I don't know who does it all the work. Well, you, whatever. But. I don't know if you're in the metaphysical. I'm kind of into it, but it's sort of like I do think that when you do work on yourself in any kind of way and try to edify yourself, you're asking the universe for more. Yeah, it's also a form of gratitude, you know. And we're in gratitude. I think that we attract. Uh, you know, just more positive people. But there's also just, I try to get out of the like binary, like men do this and women do this. That can sort of get tricky. Yeah. And that accesses our, our primal brain, our fight or flight brain, our reptile brain, which makes us sort of think in black and white ways. And I think as soon as I stopped like blaming other people and going, I'm doing all this work, why isn't anybody else? My therapist, who's kind of a fucking gangster, she was just like, not everyone is as sick as you. Oh, wow. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're like, not everyone needs to do as much work on themselves as you do. Yeah. And I just was like, what? Like, that blew my mind. Because the idea of like, I'm dating people or meeting people or I have friends or whatever. I'm like, they're not doing as much work as I am. I must be better than them. It's like, no, I'm just more broken than them. You know, you I, know? I remember going on a date with a guy and my idea of men were like, my subconscious beliefs were... Men, all men hate women. Mm-hmm. They want me out of there as quickly as possible. Sure, sure. And then I was like a female misogynist also. I internalized that for sure. my father. And I looked at women like they weren't as good. Oh, God. Oh, I have that too. So I have borderline personality in my family. And I have two women in my family with borderline personality. And it's only in like about five years ago that I'm able to trust women at all. Really? I had the paradigm that women are unpredictable. This is just what I learned. This was my conditioning. They're unpredictable. They keep score. You have to walk on eggshells around them. They're fragile. I had the same shit. They're not as... I, I would even get it darker. Yeah. I, I would look at it, but oh God. You have to take care of their feelings. They can't handle the truth. Exhausting. You have to lie to them. Yeah. All of it. And like it just, I really worked very hard on my, to change my paradigm. And now my friendships with women are getting much better and deeper. They steal your man. Yeah. I mean, I had all this really nasty old tapes. We call them old tapes. Yeah. Uh, about women. Well, I, I would look at myself through the eyes of men and I would go, you know, they want sex. Sex is my currency. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. and, you know, that's of course I want that immediately. And I remember I, would, I went on a date with a guy. It's happened a few different times over the course of my life, where I would like, you know, probably be ready to have sex on the first date, the second yeah. date, whatever. And then the guy would go slow down. Ugh, yeah, and then and then I'd go slow down. What's wrong with you? Like yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought yeah, they yeah. were fucked up and twisted, or yeah. or that it was a slap They're, in the face that I was garbage or ugly or fat or they didn't like me. Why don't they want to have sex with me immediately? Like, yeah, because isn't everybody operating? My brain would go. They have a girlfriend. They're married. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, I think that it's tricky because that's exactly right. Is that you know 
I took time off from dating because it was like, oh, when the right man, if he were to walk into my life right now, I would totally botch it. So it's like, if like what just happened to you with on those dates that you just described, it's like, if a guy came in and actually respected me, I wouldn't even know how to handle it Yeah, because I didn't respect myself, you know? So I had to just really get right with myself so that when this person came along, I didn't just fucking blow it with my my insecurities and fears and old, like nasty conditioning. So what's different about this new person versus old choices? Oh, wow. That's a lot. I how mean, you operate and yeah. how he treats you. Oh, in you. this new relationship? In this oh, new relationship. And if you want to keep it private, that's... No, really no. Right. I'll try to find a way because it's. I just want to find a way to answer it that's not boring and that's maybe somewhat succinct. Nothing um, about you is boring. I'm serious. <laughs> that's very kind. I Well, on podcasts, I'll just say really quick, I always feel so much pressure to be funny, but no. I feel like podcasts are now about sharing all your most personal growths. I don't know what comedians are supposed to be doing. And you don't know. You're automatically already intrinsically funny. Oh, you don't have to nice. tell me anything. Who the fuck do I think I am trying to you know, ring you dry of all your shit? That's none of my business. So just tell me to fuck off if you want to. But. Here's what I'll say. Yeah. I think that what it, it just to sum it up, what started happening for me is, and I, and I'll, I'm really just going to say all the things that I wish people had said to me or that things that I'd wish I had learned earlier. And, um, you know, I still have a lot to learn and, and every day is, is practice, but I wish that I had heard as soon as you stop needing a relationship, that's when you should be in one. Oh yeah. When you need it, it's an addictive compulsion. If there's any urgency around it, like I got to get a boyfriend, I got to go on a date, I got to do this, like any I got it, there's something else going on. You're trying to get an internal need met in unhealthy ways. That's like saying like, I have to have a drink, you know, or like I have to lose five pounds. It's like, what's going on with you that you're looking for this person to solve your problem? Because if you're looking for another person to solve your problems, it's just never going to be a healthy relationship. The idea is you solve your own problems and then get into a relationship with someone that can solve their own problems because it's codependent any other way. And I guess I just was looking for somebody else to be the magic bullet that was going to fix me and make me feel better. And what a nightmare. It's not someone, it's not your partner's job to make you feel better. That's your job. Yeah. You know, and I was, I kept putting myself in the uh, shoes of the other person. Can you imagine someone dating you with the pressure of like, you need to solve me. You need to fix me. You need to make me feel better. You need to, you know, like what a night, I'm not going to do any work on myself. And I just need you to walk through this landmine that is my fucking brain, you know? So I just tried to become the kind of person that I would want to date. And that's, I had to sort of back into it. If that makes any sense. Oh, that's helpful for, for me and anybody listening right now. Because, but I, I do this thing where, I'm great on my own. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm great on my own. It's easier just to be alone, shutting out the world. And, you know, it's, I'd rather do that than, than invite somebody in. You have to see yourself reflected in someone else's eyes. It's also yeah. difficult. But then that's just like a coping But if mechanism. you're the person that you want to be, it's fine to be reflected in someone else's eyes because you kind of look at, you can look at the person that you're proud of. That's so it's like true. become the person that you're proud of so that when you do, when someone does reflect, who you are back to you, you like what you see. You like what you see. So that's why I took that time off. What about when you date someone and you do open yourself up to somebody, I guess it's everything you just described, and you're like, but I want him to do it this way, or I want him to that's text perfectionism. me. That's perfectionism, yeah. Like, you know, I want him to, if, if he doesn't, I just have all these rules I don't realize sure. I have until I'm dating. Sure. So I'm solid on my own and very sure. content and happy and I think fulfilled and 100%. But then the minute there's another person, all of a sudden they're living in my brain. I'm functioning. We're women. Yeah. We do a million different things. But then all of a sudden it's like he waited 26 hours to text me back yeah. or, you know, 
he, he didn't pay, I don't know if he didn't pay for dinner. I want to get into That's all these some, Oh, love it. Okay. So that is, that is what I have learned and I, I know it well because I've done it most of my life. I get so mad. Still do it, but I don't owe sure. So I want you to love me the way I need you to love me. I had this joke that if anyone's in our business, you get a new script every day and uh, in TV shows, you get like, first you get a white script, then you get a blue script, then you get a goldenrod script, then you get a salmon colored script, and then you get a pink script. So my whole thing is when someone doesn't say what I want them to say in a relationship or text me the thing I want them to say. I'm like, oh, you didn't get the salmon pages? Yeah. You didn't get the script? And, you know, I think I always thought that was a writer problem because I'm a writer and I write what people say. And so when someone goes off script, I'm always like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I, I wrote this in my head. But that is emotional perfectionism and sort of how we focus on somebody else's perceived flaws. They're not actual flaws. Like, how would you feel if somebody was analyzing your text going like, she should have said, I love you, period, instead of I love you, LOL. I like, internalize it. So it's all internal suffering. They don't even know, but they can vibe it. I'm yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. So you're like the judge, the jury, the playing God thing. I mean, it really requires a tremendous amount of detachment. I mean, I'm in recovery for codependence. That's not a secret to anybody. But codependence, we really do tend to judge other people incredibly harshly just to justify um, that's our fear of intimacy and our ego keeping us away from them because we perceive them as danger, right? Really? So I'm just going to, I know you're going to hurt me, so I'm just going to find something wrong with you now so that you can't. Oh, Got God. it, found it, and we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? So it's like the other shoe's going to drop, the Damocles sword has been hung, let me just cut the string so the shoe just drops on my head right now. So I, I don't, yeah. I'd rather just have you be a villain now instead of the um, gray area and the anticipation of that you're going to be one eventually. And that requires a tremendous, in order to heal that, I have found a tremendous amount of faith and acceptance of like, if this ends, I'll be okay. I'll survive, you know? But I'd be curious what comes up for you. Does rejection, is it rejection, abandonment, shame come I up for you? If I don't get a text within a certain time frame or, or just even like, I worry if the guy, if I, I stress out, I want the guy to pay for dinner and then yeah. I stress out if he's not going to, or if maybe Why he's do you want the guy me. to pay for dinner? Cause I, when I looked at that, it's because it makes me feel safe. It makes sure. me feel like I can like fall into his arms and be protected and he's not going to abandon me. And there's like a safety there. But or you know, that's not true. What? <laughs> That's, that's, <laughs> but yeah, see ya. Got it. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. But, but that's a false sense of safety, right? So plenty of men, pl- 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 <laughs> plenty of men pay for women's dinner all the time, cheat on them, leave them, beat them, abandon them, etc. So paying for dinner, if that, if it was that easy, yeah, <laughs> we would have no problems. Something my um, therapist once said that you know blew my fucking mind is I go, you know, I just what he did made me feel abandoned, and she just goes, Whitney, adults can't be abandoned. You have your own place to live. You have a car. So that's old. So your inner child is coming into play somehow. And so that's between you and your inner child. You know, that's not like an adult expectation. I was just like, brain explode. Um, Because I thought me saying like, I have a fear of abandonment was going to fix everything. Like, And then everyone get in line. I have a fear of abandonment. I need everyone to do these certain things to make me feel safe. And she's like, no, that's just your way of being a tyrant and making everybody behave you want them to to behave so that you feel safe, but the thing you need to feel safe is not mature. You need to make yourself feel safe, right? And you're focusing on this one kind of, uh, you know, trivial thing in order to feel this huge, big emotion that you should be giving yourself. So I, I, I understand the desire to want a guy to pay. Like that's a super complicated. Yeah, tell me about that. Like, can we look at that for a second? Everyone what the hell is that about? Should, everyone should have their own thing. I think it's an. I think it's uh, you know, again, I'm a neurology dork, so I think it's a very primal thing of women. Are we? You know, this is a generalization. There's a spectrum. The whole deal. I'll fight with you on Twitter about yeah. it if you want. What do you like? Tell me. In general. I think we are, everyone is drawn to 
there's alphas and there's betas. And I think a lot of women, we are biologically wired just because we have babies and we want someone who can protect said babies, whether you actually have babies or not, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, but something very interesting is if you're on birth control, you actually desire this more because birth control makes you think that your, your body think you're pregnant. So you're attracted to even more alpha people. So I'm like on this obsessive thing about women of birth control and the kind of women they date versus women that aren't the kind of men they date or women. Um, if you get down like that, uh, I don't know why you would need birth control if you're a lesbian, but that's another story. Keep it moving. Um, yeah, keep it going. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. I got stuck in a wormhole. Got stuck in quicksand. How women who are on birth control, uh, uh, they date more alpha guys than women that aren't on birth control. But anyway, so we're always looking for things that show that you're the alpha, that you can take care of me, that you can provide for me and my child because women who are pregnant and have babies are incredibly vulnerable. So it used to be physical strength. It yeah. used to be I want the biggest guy, the tallest guy, the guy with the biggest hands and the deepest voice that runs the fastest, whatever. Now it's like I want the guy that has the most resources that would keep me safe because now money is what keeps us safe. Oh boy. So it's really just ultimately that, but... I've never been on birth control, so really? at least I feel like I'm pure in my Yes, desires. you are. Yes, yeah. you are. At least it's not a chemical alteration. Yeah. So... But if you're like, I want a guy to pay for dinner because I find that sexy, yeah. great. There's no shame in that. But if it's to like... That's what I want. That's I'll, I'll go there. That's yeah, what I want. That's but, great. But then I also have a weird thing where whenever he pays, I'll be like, in my brain, I'll be like, he's mad at me. That's like old rooted. Yeah. He's mad. Oh my God, is he presenting me? He's mad at me. He's mad at me. Act cool. Act, act like just thank him for it and be cool. Like it's not a big deal. But inside I'm afraid he's like angry and resenting me and hating me because he's like paying for the thing. I've and here's like, what I think for you. Okay. I think for you, let me just get to it. Cause this is, this just happened to me and it could end tomorrow uh, after this podcast airs and I'll, I'll retract everything I say. But like, honestly to me, like what ended up working is the guy who let me say all those things. Like I happen to be with someone now. I'm like, hey, if you pay, I feel uncomfortable. But if you don't pay, I feel uncomfortable. What should we do? And he's just like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like you might, I think the key that what I'm hearing, if I can mirror you back is like that ultimately you just need someone you can air all these insecurities and fears with who's yeah. just going to think it's interesting and funny and God, I hope like we'll figure it out together. Because yeah. the thing that actually I think is the conflict is that you have to keep all this secret. Oh God, that is... Well, somebody just broke me open and her name is Whitney Cummings. <laughs> I actually don't think the paying for it is the thing. I think it's that you can't talk about the paying for it with whatever guy you're with. Yeah. That your guy is the one that on the first date you're like, ah, and you get to be yourself and this kind of Annie Hall, like beautiful mess. And they're willing to dig in to how to make you feel safe in ways that don't involve money or whatever. I mean, yeah. I actually, it's interesting kind of had the opposite. When men pay for me, I get uncomfortable because I think they're keeping score. Like you said, like, oh, he paid. Now I have to do this and this. And now I have to kiss him or I have to sleep with him or whatever. Yeah. So I always felt comfortable paying because it made me feel like I had power, which is, of course, a false sense of power. So we were getting, we were trying to get the same needs met, but in opposite ways. No, but and I, I relate because also if I'm really not attracted to a guy and it's kind of a, a murky situation where we're at dinner and I do not want, and I don't want him to expect anything of me, yeah. I will pay, I'm like offering to split it. I am offering to pay immediately because yeah. the money signifies uh, sure. power and control or whatever. Sure. Um, oh, but for you in dating, so I, I heard that you don't let your current boyfriend see your comedy. No. Is that so? Because that is such an interesting thing when you're a performer, a writer, even if you write songs, any kind of performer. Yeah. How do you find the balance of protecting your relationship yeah. and then also being completely authentic and making mm -hmm. other people feel less alone using your personal life in your work? What yeah. do you do? I'm big on, you know, it took me a long time to figure out what to bring to my partner and what not to bring to my partner and like to not, you know, um, overshare and 
in this new relationship, I'm literally just taking a bunch of contrary actions and trying to do something different because the last ones like didn't work. And like, we don't talk about exes. We don't talk about past relationships. I talk a little bit about kind of what happened to me and like the like sort of like uh, tricky moments in my in my past that might be useful for him to know. But I'm not sure. I don't want my partner to see me as a victim and I don't want to feel pitied. And I, for the first time, am not using a victim angle to try to get love, (laughs) which is new for me. Um, Because I used to think that's how you get someone to stay, you know, or like I thought intimacy was like you share everything with the person. That's not necessarily intimacy. That's sometimes, you know, trying to control them, trying to manipulate them or just like oversharing and making them feel exhausted. It's exhausted. I always feel exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know and so i think it's really important to figure out okay what do you take to your girlfriends what do you take to your therapist or your whatever you do what do you take to your um family what do you take to your i take things to animals <laughs> what do you take to your animals horses yeah horse horse therapy dogs you know what do you take to your boyfriend and for me like I only take things to my primary romantic relationship unless i think it's going to strengthen deepen entertain or, you know, be fun. Like, I just, yeah. I don't think everyone needs to know everything. So he hasn't read my book. He hasn't? <laughs> no. And you're okay with that? I'm okay with that because it's it's not for him. I, I strongly believe that comedy is for strangers. I love this. It's so important. I don't think it's for our friends. I don't, I don't really invite my friends to come. To, I mean, they'll come see me, like, to my tapings. They'll come to... It's just, I have a hard time, you know you know, and I still, and this is, I'm not saying that this is healthy. I'm not saying this is like the the answer yet. I mean, he did, uh, my boyfriend did see my last HBO special um, because it, he, it was starting to get a little bit weird and I, I wanted him to see some of it, but it's, I'm talking about sex and guys and squirting and, you know, I just, it's, I wouldn't want to see it if he was doing it, you know? Yeah. And I also, you know, don't want a relationship to be built on me having some kind of alleged power, in any way, you know, I think that when you see a woman on stage, it's very masculine and it's very alpha and it doesn't really relate to our relationship. So it's kind of just like, you know, you you don't have guys come and sit in on your podcast. You know, it's, it's, this yeah. is the only job where people are like, why doesn't your boyfriend go to work with you? It's like in no other career does that happen. So I think it's important to kind of separate church and state sometimes. And you don't, do you ever struggle with like, he doesn't really know me or like, he doesn't know That's great. all the, the that's he can why learn. it's working. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know me. Yeah. How, how, like, I mean, I, I think there's this thing of I need everyone to understand me and know me. It's like, no, you just need to understand and know yourself and yeah. like feel comfortable there. And like, you know, and I'm trying to just have patience with the process because I also have a history of moving way too fast. That's my favorite. Codependent. Yeah. That's- it's just we can incrementally get to know each other in a healthy way. I think we all feel this pressure of this timeline. We have to get engaged at a certain day or a certain amount of time, then we have to get married and we have to be so close all the time. And it's just, you know, I'm trying to just kind of enjoy the process of letting it happen organically instead of forcing someone to understand me when I don't even fucking understand myself half the time. Yeah. You know? And all those things are like the tools to learn about yourself, whether it's like writing a comedy or, I don't know, writing a book and anyway. Yeah. And I guess it's, I also don't want my, to be so defined by my career in any way. And I don't, you know, in my relationship at least, I kind of just want to be his girlfriend sometimes. And I and I think we all have to fight for that, especially as women are getting, you know, are so ambitious right now, have so much going on. It's like, you know, that's amazing and he should celebrate that and let you shine. But I don't want to use it as a tool to like control him yeah. <laughs> or like seem like an authority figure to him. 
It's such a delicate balance because... We, it's also, think about it, I also know, and not that my comedy makes men fall in love with me, but I also know that like he does love me for me, you know, because I think I used to sort of push like, look at all my prizes at a guy early. And then later I'd start questioning, oh, maybe he's just with me for this and this and this. Because I have dated guys that have, you know, used me for stuff and oh, really? it got really tricky. Yeah. I'm sure everyone's gone through that. And uh, so now I don't have to worry about that because yeah. he hasn't seen any of it. Or you're like, that, and that defines your worth. It's like, oh, totally. I did this. I did this. I accomplished this. I made this. Like, daddy, do, do you love me now? Do you yeah. Love me? He's not your dad. I mean, I literally programmed him. We joke about it in my phone when we first started dating, not your dad. No, God. Just because you're not my dad. Like, you don't, I'm not going to get my validation from you. I'm not going to get my self worth from you. I'm not going to try to impress you. I mean, I found myself when we, you know, I still slip a little bit. When we first started dating. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to this meeting with a guy who had a Paramount. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Yes. Why am I bragging? What am I? What are you going to, like, that's so such a turn on for men to brag about how important your meetings are. I was just like, ugh, what are you doing? You're not, he's not my dad. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop trying to impress your spouse. It's, I actually know that our relationship's going well when I can just be boring and lame. And even if something does happen, I don't even have to tell him. That is so He'll find out. Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. Tricky. It is tricky because it's like you want, okay, so I'm all for, listen, I'm a feminist. Mm-hmm. You are a feminist, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I don't know what that means. Like, it's such a tricky, I love that that has like a stink on it now. And then, and then I get all into like, I'm a humanist. I'm it's a like, human- what am I doing? Because feminist is like, impli- I, I just don't think that being pro-women, you have to be anti-man. And oh, I think yeah. for some reason, feminist got this tinge on it recently. I think, I don't think a tinge was on it a long time ago. Oh, really? And I think it's still, I don't know what's going on, but here's what I was going to say. Oh, isn't a feminist. It's I just know. so weird. That's the craziest thing. Yeah. People who say they aren't feminists. Who? But, uh, I don't know. Sometimes Betsy people, DeVos. I, I don't know. I mean, who is that? Does she have something to do with the flag? <laughs> Betsy Ross. Who's Betsy DeVos? Oh my God, I'm cutting this out to make myself you, look you good. You better not cut it out because to know Betsy Ross is actually way more impressive than to know Betsy DeVos. I'm like, I love you. If you cut that out, I, would I not cutting will it out. sue you. I am not cutting it out. I don't even know what for. But I want equal rights. You want everything to be, you want to be, uh, women want to be treated as human beings. Oh, yeah. what are you drinking here? I'm drinking uh, a turmeric juice. Is this from Moon Juice? No, it's oh. from Creation. Creation. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Okay. Uh, not all these people are from LA. We gotta oh, stay. We gotta stay that's, universal. That's their problem. We gotta stay relatable. All right, you guys. I'm we? drinking a turmeric juice just to make that exchange meaningful. Yeah, because I um, cracked my back. I, I fucking sorry. I, well, I'm not gonna curse. No, I want you to curse. I'm, I'm, I'm like upset. You cracked your back. Um, yeah. She, when oh I my. said I cracked my back, Lexi <laughs> <Lexi> just slammed <laughs> the table with both hands like Leonardo DiCaprio did I, in Django. I'm just trying to be codependent. With you, you know, it's um, uh, it's tumor because I have inflammation stuff. We all do. We all do. Yeah. All anyway, right. keep going. Um, I'm just saying, I want equal rights. We're women. We want to be treated like human beings and thoughtfully and gracefully. Yakety schmackety. But 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 we are not the same. Men and women are different, and is a delicate what? balance. What now? You tell me. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> But I mean, but finding this balance of like, cause I would do the same thing where it's like, he needs to listen to every podcast, everything I've ever thought, felt, you know, no, he written. And, I, and now it's no, like, mystery is yeah. the new intimacy. Yeah. Well, all now it's like, that's all I crave is intimacy. I don't want to fuck some dude immediately. I don't want to like have intimacy to a- means saying no. I'm not going to have sex with you for yeah. six months. Six months? Sure. I'm doing six weeks. Why according- not? Great. Six weeks is good. Six months? So sure. Why not? Did you do that? Whatever you want. I didn't do six. Well, he lived in a different city, so it might have been four or five. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. that's God. I'm going to keep. It- I'm going to try to go as long as I can. Yeah. Oh my God. Um. 
All right. You should. I respect that. But yeah, with the delicate balance of like the dating and who pays an alpha and what you share when you're strong, you know, when you, you know, when you are a lot or, you yeah. know, have a big personality. Yeah. Um, who are your friends? <laughs> who are your closest friends? Somebody <laughs> asked me this on New Year's Eve. Like, and I think I was on, I, I rarely do drugs, but I was on ecstasy and somebody was, I was like, are we all having fun at this party? Uh, are we having fun? And the girl was like, I am. I came with my friends. Do you have friends? And she might do have friends at the party, but I was so high. I went, I don't know. Uh-oh. Do I? <laughs> and I was like, who are my friends? But I mean, do you, do are you, what was the aftermath of that? Did you ever come to an answer or conclusion? I was like, I have a, I was like, what was my problem? I, uh, I have tons of friends. You yeah, do? I do have friends. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I can't tell close. if you're trying to talk me into it or talk yourself into that. I'm uh, I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck my point is here. Um, but I was asking. I, I, I do don't have, have like I used to have tons of friends. Like I, but I realized later they were all acquaintances, and it was a way to kind of keep people's at arm's length. Keep people's, um, keep people at arm's length. It was like I had like 50 friends, and I would have like girls' nights, and I had like 50 girls over, and we'd all hang. But I wasn't. It was by way of hiding in plain sight. Oh wow! So now I'm working on truly intimate friendships with equals that aren't like superficial. Yeah. You know, that's nicer. Then you're not spread so thin and they're deeper and it's intimacy within your friendships. We're designed yeah. to have two hours of eye contact a day. That's this, this podcast. I know. That's, that's literally the only reason I'm here. Yeah. I had to get, otherwise I was out to go to the DMV. Oh, it was really a nightmare. Um, um, and we're not designed to live in boxes. We're designed to live in tribes with people. And we now have moved to, this, I mean, people talk about why anxiety and depression is so high. So much of it has to do with the fact that we live in these little boxes away from people. And I mean, I find I can go four days without talking to anybody, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, why am I so depressed? It's like, we are designed to attune to other people because our brain uh, equates other people with safety. So when we're alone in a box, what that meant 2000 years ago is we had been maligned and basically excommunicated from the tribe and we're alone and didn't have their protection and would die. So our brain stops producing serotonin. Yeah. But now we need two hours of I Yeah, we have to have friendships. I think we're all in this place. I, I, I think that for all the women and men listening, which I, I would imagine the kind of people that listen to this podcast are very into um They're real cool. Growth and yeah. and, and and moguls and everyone's yeah. everyone's got a book deal, everyone wants their own company, their own blog. And I think something a mistake that I made is I conflated work friendships with friendships. I thought that everybody I worked with was like my friend and yeah. it's like doesn't count. It doesn't count if you if they're getting paid to be there. Um before we totally miss out on this, Please. how did the female brain end up happening? Because you made this movie, you keep talk, talking about oh how God. you're into, you keep saying neurology, right? Yeah. yeah. And so how did that go from the pilot, which is based on another book? Yes. And, and what? Because that's interesting because the pilot that, that she's mentioning, it had a lot of neurology stuff in it. I It was basically like live action, but I had these moments, surreal moments where like, doc, like doctors, anthropologists, neuroscientists will come in and explain what was going on. So that was, yeah, my first sort of attempt at making a neurology piece of comedy. Yeah. Uh, and then I read the book, The Female Brain by Luann Brizendine, which I recommend to everybody. Um, and I was like, this should be a move. Like it changed my life so profoundly. Why exactly? Because I think I spent so much time and I think a lot of women and, and men as well Just us. are sort of gaslit in our society and are stereotyped as crazy, as psychos, as dramatic, as emotional. And all these words have become pejorative synonyms for just women. And I sort of was like, what is this thing where we can just call women crazy and that's okay? Like, what, what is that? And I just thought that that was um, offensive. And for me, 
when I read the book, I realized that all these things that we're all now ashamed of and that we're maligned for are superpowers. That oh, wow. I was super fascinated by the fact that like everything that annoys you about your wife or girlfriend today would have saved your life 2000 years ago. We have evolved perfectly in order to survive in tribes in the wilderness. But because society has, and the industrial revolution has, I have a stuttering problem. And people, no. people now know because I do podcasts, but I, I have for the most part been able to hide it from the world. No, because you're so brilliant and you speak so fast. <laughs> it happens. Yes. It's just you stumble. Look, it's look, life. I'm okay. human. Jesus. I have flaws. She's living her it's life. charming. <laughs> Guys love it. It's keep, a weakness. Keep going. Um, and so, uh, basically we've evolved so fast technologically that we haven't evolved fast enough to sort of, sort of course correct our neurology. So it's like the thing that, you know, the same part of the brain that, you know, your girlfriend looks at your phone and is like, who's that texting you is the same part of the brain that 2000 years ago would have said, Oh, there's a lion. We got to move, you know, see there are, these are actually superpowers. So I just love the idea of reading the book and all the things that I was ashamed of going in to reading the book, I came out actually being proud of, yeah. which I think is a great way to just reframe all these things that women are meant to feel bad about. And be more gentle with yourself Correct. and less harsh. And yeah. Being emotional, being sensitive, all the things that make you, your boyfriend annoyed at you is what's going to make you an amazing mother. Yeah. Again, and it goes back to men and women are different, right? They balance each other out. thing where like, you can't say that now. It's like, it's like some kind of... Completely bored back here. Sammy is completely bored. She's on, she's on Etsy. What's she doing? What is she Googling? there anyway? Did she just Venmo someone? Is that how bad it's gotten? Hope it was me. That's Sudoku? Anyway, but yeah, so, but it's a, it's a, it's a balance. So you, okay. So, and these are superpowers. Not, so go on. So, yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just thought that was an amazing concept and I kind of wanted, but no one's, I can't get a bunch of people to read a neurology book. How boring. And so I was like, let me try to figure out a way to get a bunch of famous, sexy, funny people into a movie and sneak neurology in, um, in a way that's entertaining and not, um, didactic or so what lame. year? So what year was this? When, when did this all start? So, so through, a lot. The pilot. Well, I actually got did okay. my second stand-up special, which is called I Love You. I talked about the book. I had just read it and I was talking about all the stuff that I had learned. And there was a producer in the audience that came up to me in the comedy store and he's like, did you ever like think about doing something more with that? I think this was after I did the pilot with you or maybe during or something. And, um, and uh, I was like, that's weird. So he kind of like, he optioned the book for me because I didn't know how to like option a book. Oh, he did? Yeah. So someone helped me option the book. And then I asked my friend, Neil Brennan, who I'm sure you know, uh, what well, you do know, he should come on here. Um, he, uh, I asked him if he would write it with me because what I didn't want to do is write a book about women's brains and it was, it's just a woman and a man's not even chiming in and telling the truth. You know, I really value a male voice in, in anything that I do. Um, so he agreed to write it with me and I was like, if nothing, I just get to hang out with one of my best friends all day and write jokes. What's the writing process when you write? Do you usually write alone? I normally write alone. I don't love it uh, as much as I used to. Um, I loved it when I was like terrified of humans, but now that I'm not as terrified of humans, writing alone can be like a bummer. And I think with this, I am fully addicted. It's funny. You know, we have a friend in common, Kevin Christie, and he said the other day, he's like, I don't know what this thing is with the phone, but I have it. Like the thing in 30 years where we're going to be in rehabs for cell phones. Yeah. It's already starting. We have to talk about that too. Yeah. There's a great neurologist. His name is Moran Surf. C-E-R-F that I, I worked with on a, I did some panel with in New York and I said to him, I was like, like totally facetiously, I was like, are you like, are there going to be like rehabs for cell phones? And he's like, already happening. And I was just like, dang, like it's for real. So anyway, my phone addiction, my computer addiction, online shopping addiction, but the, but the Twitter, all of it, 
writing alone has become really challenging and I actually need someone to be there and make sure I'm actually doing it. Oh, wow. I yeah. hold you accountable. Yeah. It's so it's so hard. I have to tweet. I have to do this. I have to Instagram story. I have to do What's he doing? It's a yeah. nightmare. Um, so... You, how many years ago is this? This is okay. That uh, must have two been years ago? It must have been, I feel like three years ago, four years ago is when I got approached about getting the book optioned. It took like a year for me to even take it seriously because it's so funny. In our business, all you want is someone to make something um, and you're fighting so hard to get something made and then someone actually tries to do it and you're like suspicious. Yeah. It's like playing hard to get your say. It's totally. like when a guy actually likes you, you're like, ah, next. Yeah. You're like, what is this? I like, didn't even, it's like for the first time someone came and was like, I'll make a movie for you. Yeah. And I was like, no, thank you, sir. I'd much rather chase things that are never going to happen. Totally. And so then Neil and I wrote it. For, How long did it take? Neil and I? Yeah. I want to say like six months. And how many drafts within that we six had kind of an amazing experience. It was really therapeutic. Like I recommend to anybody, if you have a platonic male best friend, which everybody I believe should have, doesn't have to be your best friend, but a truly platonic male friendships I think are so important for women and so healing. Well, because it's, I think that a lot of times I find a lot of my girlfriends won't tell me the truth because they're scared of me and they don't want to hurt my feelings. Oh, really? A lot. Not anymore so much. Now that I'm working on these like really deep, intimate, sustainable friendships that where I can be authentic. In them, and then my boyfriend's never going to tell me the truth because he's thinks I'm going to get mad at him, or whatever. And I don't bring him a lot of stuff, uh, so I find that platonic male friends really tell me the truth because it's not like I'm not going to sleep with them, I'm not going to punish them, and they yeah. don't worry about my feelings. So those relationships have been really healing for me. I got to hang out with Kevin Christie more. I feel like he, great. he could I mean, be he's that for my, me. Yeah, he oh, he's is, yours though. He he's, is my. He's best yours. Friend. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, but you can. I'll borrow I'll, him sometimes. I'll dole him out to you. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm, you know, and uh, yeah, Kevin Christie actually, let me tell you, has been honestly is one of the most healing people in my life because I had similarly this thing of all men are, you know, this, all men lie, all men, whatever. And spending time with him has sort of given me a paradigm of like healing. Because he's like, an example of a good man. The greatest. Is he, he should not be on Raya. He doesn't want to be on Raya, right? No, I think he's seeing someone. We can't. Oh, we can't. Okay. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> yeah, we can leave this in. He'd love it. Yeah, no, leave in. Yes, this. he's the greatest. And But oh. I think platonic male friends that aren't, you know, setting you back in terms of your paradigm of what a man is are really important and really healing. Oh, yeah. I've had to cut out certain men who I realize like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable and staticky around them. And it's because, oh my God, they remind me of my father. Yeah. And it's just familiar, but it's toxic. Yeah, because a lot of times when you're friends with a lot of guys, which I am, just the nature of being a comedian, I hear the way they talk about women sometimes. And I'm like, like it makes me scared of men. So I have had to sort of like distance myself from a couple people that I'm like, you're making me think all men are bad and that's not true. And so I'm just trying to, you know, my brain needs evidence and my brain needs proof. And I know that about myself. So it's like, if I can just stay around the proof that there's light, then, then things are better. For Going me. back to my hypnotherapy, you are an example. You are proof for me. So looking at you, oh, it's like, man. wow, look what somebody, like, look at this. Oh, God, I'm that's serious. That's so kind. Um, okay. So, but Neil is, uh, so he. The greatest. Oh, what I was saying is we would basically fight and just record it oh, and then wow. transcribe it. Oh, wow. So, cause a lot of the movie is about sort of these couples that are fighting about various things and it's rooted in sort of neurological differences or sort of the mysterious neurological uh, idiosyncrasies of, of our brains. And so um, we basically would just, you know, there was a, a scene where um, uh, there's a character, Lucy Punch's character wants to pop a zit that's on James Marsden's back, which I- my favorite. I love that. I, dopamine. It, dopamine <gasps> and endorphins. It's like an orgasm for women yeah. when we're able to pop zits, oh. which is funny because Lucy Punch is the one woman I've 
I've ever met who doesn't like it. That's so bizarre. <laughs> and she had to do it on screen like a million times and yeah. she was like gagging. But so Neil and I would just actually get in the fight about, you know, I want to pop that zit. Just let me pop that zit. And it was just so funny and healing and kind of great. And he pointed out a lot of things in the way that I fight where he's like, that's not fair. Like something that if a guy was dating would do it, I would just be like, oh, well, of course you're just saying that because you want to win the fight. But yeah. Neil would be like, yeah, when you do this, that's dismissive and you do this and you roll your eyes. And so it was like really educational how the way he held a mirror up to the way that I handle conflict. Yeah. So you guys wrote wrote it in two weeks, a month, six months. Six how, months, six, uh, maybe a year. And then, you know, because it's four stories that kind of intertwine. I think we initially had five. So we ended up cutting one of the stories. Um, and uh, there was one about, and I'm so glad this didn't stay in. There was one about um, a couple that got, uh, someone broke into their house and the guy wanted to get a gun. And the girl didn't want to get a gun. Oh my God. And he gets a gun secretly. And oh <laughs> so God. glad we cut it out. Me too. And then, Hashtag. Um, and then at the end, he shoots her by accident. No. Oh, yes. thank God. Yes, thank God we got it out. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like, Did you shoot it? No. Okay. No. We <laughs> cut it. Thank God. Yeah. So there was actually a sexual harassment storyline, and you're the storyline because Alexi's in this movie. Oh, and come on. I mean, I'm you're barely in, it. in this movie. You're barely in it, but you're it's a so fun sweet. game to like find Alexi in the movie. And we couldn't afford to give her any lines. So she's just like, <laughs> Cecily's strong is like yelling stuff at her and she just has to sit there and nod because we can't afford the hundred bucks or whatever. Um, for coverage? It, for coverage. Yeah, remember she was... That's funny. You were just like well, My making, haircut's so distinct. It so is so it's distinct. So it's like, oh, there I am. But go on. You're like yeah. an anime character who just pops up in, in one of the office scenes. But one of the, her storyline was actually originally going to be um, that she was sexually harassed at work. Oh. And it was like we had we were doing this whole thing and da 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 and then it actually changed and we thought maybe it would be fresher and more interesting that you know she's dealing with more like emotional abuse because that's actually harder to define at yeah, work gaslighting yeah being gaslit totally being is it dismissed me? Is it them is it yeah yeah and exactly right and that that might be a little more um, sticky and then all the sexual harassment stuff start and it was just it would have felt so opportunistic and weird and two on the nose. So I'm so glad that we, that ended up changing, which is just a great for anyone that's listening that feels like their life is falling apart. Sometimes when we think it's falling apart, it's actually falling together. Cause I thought the two worst things that happened to me were that we had to change that. I had to lose the gun story and that I had to lose, uh, the sexual harassment storyline and it ended up being the freaking best decision yeah. ever. Like the universe just made the decision for me cause I couldn't do it on my own. Well, I want to know what the internal process was like, cause you, okay. Again, going back to like you're the busiest woman in showbiz. Is that true? You, yeah, you wrote it is. You are incredible. You are a powerhouse, uh, multi hyphen extraordinaire. So tired. You, oh God, I know. It's almost over. Okay. No, I'm not tired. I know. know. That's me. I'm actually not. It's weird. It's like, it's like I, I maybe come off busier than I am. I feel like, I feel like we all advertise busy and I, I actually see that as a, um, and I, if you've, if this, I did write about this in my book, so I'm sorry if I'm being redundant, but I do feel like, if you're too busy, you're doing something wrong. Oh, wow. You know, like what's going on with your time management skills and your self-care that you're putting so much on your plate? Like, what are you running from? You know? So like sometimes when I hear that I'm so busy, I'm like, oh no, that's a failure on my part. Like I should, I shouldn't be too busy because that's not healthy. And what's going on with me that I feel the need to fill my plate. Well, so much in this, in the movie making process. Yeah. Oh, well that, because there are all these, well, no, in, in life, but, but like, you wrote it, you co-wrote it, you yeah. directed it, yeah. you star in this movie. Ish. It's an ensemble. It's an ensemble, but a lot of a lot of intense close-ups of your face. I said, <laughs> I said, I said this when I was uh, not intense, like, but they're just like there is 
I would never think you weren't rested, or you're dewy, your perfect skin glowing in these close-ups. I was like, how does a woman co-write, co-write, direct, and star in a movie, and you're interacting with people? Tell me what it was like to bring the cast together, get it all actually to come to life, and then walk through it and all the internal battles you may have faced. It's interesting because I was thinking about your texting thing and and... I think for any, with the guy and are they texting the right way? I think for me, it was actually an amazing thing for my relationship to direct a movie or in all my relationships, because you really have to detach from other people's behavior on a grand scale under a tremendous amount of pressure. So it's like when you have 200 people and you need them to all do certain things and nobody's doing what you want them to do, or they're not doing it the way you think it's like our brains can always find a way to criticize somebody if we want to, you know? And it was like, there was just no time to focus on people's shortcomings. And so it was actually a great exercise and being like, all right, that's good enough. That's good. You know what? Fine. I don't like the way you said that, but I, I don't have time to internalize it or to attach to this right now or to you know find a way to get in an argument like it was sort of a great way to learn forgiveness moment to moment forgiveness and to let things kind of roll off and not take that shit so personally it was just sort of a mass education and like nobody's going out of their way to hurt your feelings no one's thinking about your feelings. They're too busy. Everyone's too busy to think about your feelings. You know, I get so in this thing about like, everyone's mad at me and everyone, I shouldn't have said that. And that was so stupid. And, um, you know, someone said something to me once that's, you know, I admire a lot and their, um, edification of themselves is sort of the quote that we obsess over what other people think of us until we realize they're not. They're not thinking about it. And you're like, why aren't they thinking about it? Why are they? Why? Okay, I'll change that right now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it's most people are, you know, leave a thing. Because sometimes I'll leave a lunch. I'm like, ah, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You talk too much. And I'm just like, they're leaving doing the same thing. They're going, why'd you say that? Or they're just moving on with their fucking day. Yeah. You know, so Neil Brennan, I'll bring him up again. He did this song on Instagram. It's called Nobody's Mad at You. Did you see it? Yeah. It's like, nobody's nobody's mad at you. No one's thinking about you. And if they are mad at you, like, that's, you know, Maybe they shouldn't be in your life. So, um, and that's a red flag. So that it was a, a great crash course in that. Um, I just kind of sort of begged my favorite people on the planet to do it. And um, I figured out a way to make the schedule them. They only had to shoot four days, you know, cause it was, you know, if you've seen it, it's ensembles, you know? So I just figured out a way to go like Blake Griffin or um, James Marsden or, Cecily Strong's on SNL, like I can shoot you out in three days, you wow. know? So if you sort of promise someone they don't have to work a lot, a lot of times you can get sort of bigger people. What was the overall, sh- how many days? Shooting? We shot what, what is on there was for film nerds. It's, this is shocking was 16 days. What is, 16 yeah. Days. What is shot? We didn't, there was no money. It's, it's hard to raise money for a neurology. <laughs> how did you raise this money? None of my business. It was no, this wonderful female financer. Um, her name is Eric Oldie and she wants to do what? female filmmaker stuff. So she, you know, put up the money, but oh my you know, but it wasn't like a huge, you just know. one financier, just one, yeah. Wow, well, the cast like that and you at the helm, like that's incredible. I, think I mean, that makes of, sense. I think a lot of people wanted to be a part of it. You know, that was so what was so weird is like I asked no. Sophia Vergara and all these like amazing actors were like, we want to do it. I think a lot of people just believed in the idea of something that wasn't just another romantic comedy about like a businesswoman who doesn't have time to date and she's got a checklist. <laughs> And she needs to soften up. It's like, we've all seen everything. You know, people are so smart. Like, I mean, there's this thing in Hollywood where people say like, like, 
people are dumb and we have to dumb things down for America. I don't think that's true. Like I went on, I'm on the Ted talk website every day. There was a neurology talk that got like 78 million views. I'm like, people are interested in this shit. Let's play to the top of our intelligence. You got Toby Kebbell. You got, what's her name? Beanie? Beanie Feldstein from uh, Lady Bird and Neighbors. She's incredible. Also, I didn't know she's, she's she's Jonah Hill's sister. She's Jonah Hill's sister. Not that we're going to lead with that. I just, I just found that out the other day. It's a funny, just little like, oh, yeah. But uh, it was crazy because I love podcasts. I love Ted talks and I love romantic comedies and then I see the female brain and I'm like this is everything I love rolled up into one I walked out feeling less guilty and hating myself or being maybe go oh wow I I don't have to shame myself internally and and a big message and you know we won't spoil the movie uh but uh you walk away feeling like wow just to believe in love and take the leap of faith is so important but terrifying but so important and worth the chance and and you can rationalize everything because as women I know I do and Mm -hmm. you know like you rationalize everything away you can be very logical you can think you have all the answers but but uh but yeah love's so important and you have to just even walking towards it is is a leap of faith and that is such a compliment. I mean, it was like when we did some of these screenings and the lights came up, women were crying. I was, like, yeah. And like there was a man who was crying who was just like, oh my. What a little bitch. Just kidding. <laughs> totally. Like, oh, what happened to me? Where have all the cowboys gone? Am I right? <laughs> no, it's like he's like, thank you for helping me understand my daughters better. And now I understand my wife. Like I owe her an apology. <laughs> like it was just kind of this amazingly powerful thing. And I'm like, well, that's what I wanted this movie to do is give people just permission to be complicated and like not, you know, let social constructs um, make us feel bad about ourselves because yeah. they're impossible. And um, so that's a huge compliment. And yeah, look, I just call bullshit on romantic comedies. It's like, I just realize every time I walk out of a romantic comedy, I feel worse about myself and I feel like a failure. And um, this whole like forever Prince Charming complex has just destroyed us on such a cellular level <laughs> that I kind of want to make a movie that was like, look, this might not work out, but yeah. like, let's go for it anyway. Well, because that's the truth about all the end of the, every romantic comedy ends and you don't know what's going to happen. It's that they. Yeah. It ends on the couple just deciding to be together, and then you're like, or, "Well, they're gonna break it. There's no sequel. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't show the sequel where he cheated yeah. and where she had a nervous breakdown. He's a sex addict. Yeah, you know, they he didn't loves show porn. All that. Yeah. Uh, so. Where, where can we find this movie? Love's porn. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. On this, all the things. On the World Wide Web, it's baby. All the things. Google it, you morons. Really, I don't even know how Jesus. the in- entertainment industry works anymore. Yes, Everyone's like, do. I just watched a movie, you know, on my Bank of America yeah. app. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. How do you watch movies now? Well, are you going to direct another movie? Not at this minute. I know you're podcasting with me. Yeah, okay? yeah. You're right. not going We're, anywhere. I am. Uh, I am at some point. You uh, are. I'm not a huge rush. I'm doing a stand up special next. You're so. doing, and so you're about to go on tour to work out a new hour. hour? Yeah, like a new, Just totally new stuff. Totally new stuff. What are yeah. we? And, and it's it going to involve. You name it. Anything with a new relationship? Or are you just keeping that a out? A little bit. How I'm do you talking navigate? about Me Too. I'm talking about Time's Up. I'm talking about sex robots. I'm talking about bad feminists. I'm, I'm going in. Yeah. Going in. Talking about white women. Going in hard. <laughs> God. White women, we need to talk. I'm right here. Yeah, You're okay. I don't think you voted <laughs> in the way that that <laughs> oh, stresses me out. All right, um, but uh, but uh, but yeah. So we're all uh oh uh oh. She's and ready for. Do you guys know what's happening? Getting minty fresh. I she's know. D- there's no video on this podcast. No so video. You guys aren't. You guys don't understand that. Um, they heard the Alexi has like a. It's like a, a yard pack. sale. Uh, I'm looking at a yard a sale. A yard sale. Of, Come on, it's a compact from CVS. It's my Neutrogena Revitalizing Lip Balm. 
and it's two different things of Listerine to make me fresh for you. She's just got like all sorts of little. You're the most uh, famous person I've ever had on the podcast. That's not true. I've had Barack Obama on this podcast, and uh, <laughs> he's no are near as famous as you. That's a lie. You are the most famous. This does look. She's got a. a it's CBS. all oily and greasy. Don't touch that shit. You're better than that. She's got a. No, I'm not. She's okay. got a, a compact <laughs> that's got the Versace low, like the Versace pattern around it. Oh, thank you. But I feel like this isn't Versace. Uh, surely not. Give it back. <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh, but okay. So you're, you should maybe make this video. Well, yeah, I was thinking. Do, I was your, gonna, do your fans want you to make a video podcast? Because you're very, you're. I, we're too beautiful you have not a to face be on video for television, so not you. podcast. Hey, how you know? I'm, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. I, I would, I want to incorporate that, but then sometimes I get nervous that it's if my guest isn't into it I'm have to tell them it's no it's just on you it's not on the guest just on me yeah. my reaction shots like, immediately the guest doesn't get to yeah. get recorded just um, you because I feel like they're missing all these adorable charming little whimsical so, things you you're do. so right I mean okay that's for uh when I start doing that okay I'll credit that to you um on it. I, was, I had Rose McGowan on the podcast yeah she didn't want that. she didn't want the video thing happening so I just thought nobody will want it so I'm not going to do it but I'll revisit that oh this is about you now. well you can do it what I'm not going to disagree with Rose McGowan no Tell I don't me. think I'm allowed. No. <laughs> uh, now's not the time. No. It's it. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get on a list. Um, oh no, no, no. Um, I that's I do disagree with her on that. On I, the video well, component. If, she, if a guest says, I don't want to be recorded, well, then we you won't, won't record. do it. Yes. But I think the default should I love be it. that you record it. Good point. Going to do it okay. moving forward here on out. Yeah. Um so you're about to go on tour. Yes, I'm about to just do a bunch of stand up. I haven't, I haven't been. I just did the book and I did the movie and I did Roseanne and I haven't been able to do. Stand oh my god, up when's much. Roseanne coming out? March 27th. March 27th. It's, it's coming for you. And so, okay, going back to time management. Oh, wait, wait, wait. But what do you reveal about your relationship in the comedy? Like, how do you navigate yes, that? You'll see. I mean, I have to have conversations with my boyfriend, you and we do? have to. Well, we just <gasps> have to set some boundaries. I don't know if I want him going to his friends and or publicly talking about my idiosyncrasies you know yeah. it's just sort of I'll say like he'll say something like he said something the other day that really made me laugh and I was like can I please talk about that because yeah, I'm talking a lot about like sort of how men just don't have this I talk a lot about how how dangerous the world is for women and guys just don't necessarily understand that yeah. you know because they're not in danger the way that we are and we are prey we are being hunted on a daily basis and they just don't get that and he said something that um, sort of was a great example like we drove by this house there's a house right like two down from me and it was empty and it's kind of like got a lot of glass in the front Yeah, and it was totally empty and it was at night and there was a man standing <sighs> at the window staring out like just just fuck, like rigor mortis just staring looking super angry and we were driving by and I was like oh my god what's that guy doing we have to call the police like what's going on a man alone in a house staring out the window yeah. and he is it's midnight and he goes oh maybe the guy uh Maybe the guy's dad used to live there and he's just checking it out so he can tell the real estate agent what it's like. And maybe he's just taking measurements. And I was like, that's what you saw? Like, I see a murderer looking around. There's bodies in the kitchen and he's trying to see if he's safe. And like, it's a Rorschach test. And that's what you saw. And so I was like, please let me talk about this. Because the fact that a man standing, staring out of a window at midnight to you is like, he's just uh, probably the real estate guy. Yeah. And then um, we were kind of talking about our childhood, like, traumas one day and he's and mine are pretty rough <laughs> he goes yeah something really crazy happened to me when I was five and I was like oh my god what I think that like I'm like bracing myself for something crazy and he's like on Christmas Eve I woke up in the middle of the night 
and I saw my dad wrapping gifts. <laughs> and I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real. Oh, and I was just like, God. okay, so the, the worst, the worst part of your childhood was that you thought one guy was giving you presents, and then you found out that another guy was giving you presents. Like that's your. This is the act. I can't believe we got well, yeah, I mean, an exclusive. Right. I, I just got an exclusive. I, I haven't. That's no. Not that the, was perfection. The delivery, all the stuff. Really? Yeah, oh. I can't believe this. I'll. T- I'll I'm going to dig into that. For, I haven't really written it yet, but just the idea that, like, you know men are so safe they look forward to home invasion like when a guy does it you know it was just such a funny thing so I'm sort of talking about that so you guys are definitely not trauma bonding because not trauma bonding bad way to start a relationship yeah that's usually what I'm used to really um but this guy's healthy, so that's nice. That means you're reflected back in a healthy person's eyes. That He's means you're working healthy. on himself. I asked very specifically for someone who is working on themselves. I don't need someone who's perfect, but someone who knows they're not. That's all I ask. Yeah. Because no one is. How do you... There's also... Oh, if we're going to really do this, did I tell you that, um, about reading uh, Getting to I Do? No. Hey, listeners. Please. This is actually a worse title than Getting the Love You Want, but a girlfriend of mine gave me a book. It's from the 80s. 60% of it is offensively sexist, horrifyingly regressive. It is called Getting to I Do. It doesn't matter if you want to get married or not. It's almost like Steve Harvey's Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. I read that. B- big fan. Whereas like, take what you like and leave the rest. Some of it is super offensive, but some of it you're like, okay, I know what to do with that. Uh, getting to I Do is another example. The author basically says like, if you find a man that has 60% of what you want, st- stick in there. That's it. Because we're running around being like, I want an A+. plus. Are you an A+. plus? No! Okay. <laughs> so stop. Why would you get an A+. plus? I'm a C. I deserve a C. Oh, my God. You know? Like, just it's just about sort of, you know, we're at a time where being humble is, like, not necessarily very in right now. Like, in your work, be arrogant. Be confident. But, like, in your personal life, just, like, you know, let's Jesus. be humble. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is a true and, nugget of wisdom. Yeah. it's it's it, it might feel anathema to the, like, don't settle and just only just get for the best. It's like, okay, but are you the best? No? Okay. Just be cool. Jesus so fucking I, Christ. Yeah. I think I have, I, you know, he's, he's the greatest. But, you know, I also think as soon as I accepted that I didn't need someone who checked every single box and it was just the ones that are important. Yeah. You know? Um, what are those? I mean, for me, it's like in control of themselves, not a narcissist, not an egomaniac um, that I can trust. Because for me, a lot of people look at the other person and they're like, I want a person that says this, 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 this. I try to go, I want a person that makes me the best version of myself. So I'm going to look at myself in the relationship instead of the other person. So I'm like, if I'm jealous in a relationship, I just got to get out. It's not you're making me jealous. Uh-huh. It's I'm jealous. Something about this alchemy is just not right. Yeah. I have to get out. It's not you need to change to make me more comfortable. It's just, oh, I have to leave. Yeah. You know, so I try to look at like my behavior in a relationship. And if I'm acting like chasing, needy, you know, if it's I'm activated by someone who's emotionally unavailable, like something's going on with me that I think that that's a good idea. Yeah. I think I just want to be in something that's kind of boring, frankly. Me too. For the first time in my life. Yeah. I'm, I'm healthy. Wanting boring calm. equals healthy. Yeah. And I used to like to be with men where I felt com- very staticky, competitive. I felt competitive with them. I didn't feel good enough. I put yeah. them on a pedestal. Yeah. 
and I felt super like I couldn't really be myself because I thought they're better than me. Oh, and it's they exhausting. Have a shine. I don't want that. Are I you just, are you in your relationship? Are you performing? Are you putting on makeup before he wakes up? Like all of these things. Like, are you yeah. working too hard to be funny? Are you laughing at things he's saying that isn't funny? Like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Can you say, hey, I feel weird about paying. I don't know if I should. Maybe I shouldn't. If you can't say all that stuff, just leave. Oh my God, I, love I promise this. you, it doesn't get better. I promise you, it stays the same and you just get older. Oh my God. And your eggs start to wither. Whitney, did you? Did I you, did freeze my eggs. You froze your eggs? I did. I haven't frozen my eggs. I think they might be kaput. I think you it's can over. have some of mine. Can you I? Like. Oh, yeah. you do. I really think that they should have a thing when you graduate high school. They pluck your eggs out they when should. they're all nubile, put them on ice. They it will. Be a government thing. They will. I, yeah. I, I don't want the government having my okay. eggs. <laughs> but I see what you mean. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I think there will come a day where you go to college, you get a driver's license, you register to vote, you freeze your eggs. How much does it cost to freeze your eggs? It's, it's like 10000 bucks. It's, it's really, and it's a lot. And, and they live in Marina Del Rey. But it's also, everybody I know who's complaining about the cost of freezing, they're in Marina Del Rey. Aren't I just they? missed that. Minor and Redondo. Oh, cool. Yes. Um, they have a beautiful beach view. Lovely view. Better real estate than I have. Oh, boy. No, it's it's just, I call bullshit on some of my girlfriends who are like, uh, the, the freezing your eggs are so expensive. I'm like, that's weird because you have a Gucci purse. You know, oh, that's weird because you wear a different pair of shoes every time I see you. I have a Target backpack, so okay, maybe I, I should say- be concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I'm drinking I out of this you. thing. Okay, but yes, um, but like, get a Kickstarter. I don't ask for like ask for Kickstarter. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my god, you just started following me on Instagram. Imagine next post is me and my Kickstarter. I want. My eggs I want you to have kids. I will <laughs> donate to your egg Kickstarter. Oh, fuck. You heard it here first, folks. Okay? I really, I really want you to procreate. Your children would be gorgeous, little, it, a, beautiful aliens. They look like us. Where do you see this guy I'm dating? Oh. Okay, no pressure. We've only been on two dates. Two dates. Second date. Uh, Where'd you go on the first and second date? For day dates, because I'm slowing it down. Ah, I respect that. Day date coffee date and then we liked each other so we walked all around the neighborhood and that was lovely then we like went and got like I don't know do you think that he listens to your podcast I said don't he said should I and I went you can do whatever you want they're all different uh or you could get to know me in real life and he went I I said whatever you want and he said uh I I think I I prefer real life and I went me too because now for the first time I I don't how old is he he's 34 35 and we went on a second date we went to the Getty I'd never been to the Getty and museum date it was lovely put our phones away the whole time that was great but then when i did my secret phone check in the ladies room i found out my grandma died oh i mean what a second day it's okay it's okay i don't (laughs) what What did you do i called my mom and i like this we get out of there and like you know and i'm I'm even like i'm making jokes to like make it i'm like i know you don't know how to deal with this i don't know how to i've never been on a second date where my grandma dies Mm -hmm. and i'm like calling my mom we're on the tram trying to get back to the parking lot yeah he puts his he's and he's just he felt solid he was like very even just his presence he put his hand on my leg and he's just there for me and then we went out to dinner and then we went to there's nothing i could do because my mom was so far away anyway but what a funny second date it's great i mean that's so funny you said that i like it because i this guy that i'm dating now we after a couple months my dad passed in a really kind of horrific way really and he just got on a, he was in new york we were long distance for the first year and he just got on a plane i was like don't come i'm fine i'm fine he's like he just showed up it was yeah. like he just the way he handled it you know i think that when I think the right, not the right, one of the right people come along. The universe puts things in your path that shows you what their character is like, you know, and that's a great opportunity to see what his character is like. He didn't make it about him. He didn't get weird. He didn't like, you know. Yeah. 
Because who knows how to navigate? There's no rule book to navigate no, these things. It's yeah. just putting you in a situation where you can trauma bond, kidding, yeah, anyway. where you can sort of find out who somebody is. Yeah. Because death makes people really uncomfortable and really weird. Yeah, it makes me really uncomfortable and yeah. weird. Yeah, I'm making jokes. I'm like, my grandma died. It's like yeah. four minutes later, and I'm like, I'm allowed to make these jokes, but uh, but so then, but then he can sort of see you work through it in the way yeah. that you need to work through it. I mean, I didn't deal with the fact that my dad died. I was like making jokes about it for weeks, and then I was a mess, cried for two weeks, and then I made jokes. And just someone who can sort of ride those waves with you and not yeah. judge you or need anything from you, yeah, is awesome. It's a nice thing. Um, I also think something you asked about the checklist of things that I like, and I think something I've learned is that in a partner. I don't care what your job is as long as you like your job. If someone doesn't like their job and if someone doesn't have their own friends, that's a red flag. Because if someone's miserable with their job, they're going to be miserable in every other part of their life, I feel like. Yeah. You know? Completely. Well, plus also in your whole life, you do a million different things, but it's all falls under the same umbrella and you're fulfilled from your work. You want someone that has a full life without you. Yeah. You know? And you guys are additive. If you, the only fulfillment you're getting in your life is from each other, that can get real sick, real tricky, real fast. I used to love that. I used to Oh, lived for it. Oh, that was my shit. It's me and you, Bonnie and Clyde. Totally. Yeah. I was like, this is passion. Yeah. No, Um, it's sick. It's exhausting. Um... So you're going to go on the tour. Yes. You're going to go on the road. I like that you keep trying to bring this back to, to some, some kind, kind of narrative of, I don't know. I just want to make sure I hit all my beats, all the beats and whatever. But, uh, and you talk to him about what you're allowed to, uh, you know, reveal oh, yes. the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is not, it is, I have made the mistake in the past of embarrassing my partner. Really? Don't I do it. Too. Don't yeah. make fun of their, your partner. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl and you're dating a guy. I don't care. Don't, you know be sarcastic with them in front of other people. Don't throw them under the bus. There's a great book um, by Stan Tatkin. Maybe I, it's basically, there's something about the couple bubble. And when you go into a environment together, you guys go in as a team and it's you against everybody. You can't turn on each other. And I used to do it all the time. I'd be like, he was late and like, and I would throw him under the bus. And I thought I was being funny. Like I wasn't, I didn't have any malicious intent, Yeah. but I now, you know, the couple bubble is before you go into a party, you have like a little huddle, like as if you were a team about to go play and you go like, okay, we're going to this party. You know that I can't stand this person. So if that person corners me, make sure you get me out of there. We're going to leave in exactly two hours. I'm starving. Make sure I get somebody to eat. I'll make sure you get somebody to eat. You know, if you run into your boss, I'll come intervene and yeah. whatever. And just having like a game plan, you know, like if you ever go to a party with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, oh and God. then you leave and you're like, what the fuck was that? And you're yeah. like, what? You didn't talk to me the entire time. Why were you talking to him? Why yeah. didn't you save me? Why didn't you get me out of that? Totally. Or even the go in for the, like, you don't know the person's name. So you have the other person be like, oh, what's your name? Or like, you know, yes. To, to, to yes. save you. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you got to be like, hey, you know, I always forget that person's name. Yeah. Can you please introduce yourself? You're you know, a team. yeah, I know who's that. Where you know, go in as a team because I found myself slowly eroding relationships by doing shit like that and acting single, kind of when I was in a relationship. Oh wow! When we went out in public, I've done all these things too. So I have no interest in like embarrassing him, humiliating him, making fun of him. You know, I have so much respect for him, and I think that's the other thing that I didn't realize. I I, I used to conflate love and pity. Really? Yes, I thought pity was love. Like, oh, this person needs. This. And this person just needs to get back on their feet. And like, this is just, I just, I love rescue animals, you know, like I'd rescue people. I'd rescue all of it, that martyr shit. But also I didn't know, I, I, I I loved a lot of people. I thought I did. And I didn't respect them. It's the thing. It's like, I love you, but I don't like you, you know, which is where a sort of addiction shit comes in. So it's like, I realize now I'm with someone that I respect so much that it's not like, Hey, can I get your permission to 
talk about you on stage. It's more just like, I have so much respect for him that I just, you know, and I think that that's really important in a relationship. Respect is kind of the number one thing for me. Do you think me telling the story of being at the Getty and my grandma dying, did that overstep a boundary with this new guy? I don't think so at all. Okay, good. I don't think so. I mean, he is listening, so he'll tell you. He's not listening. Yes, he is. If, if you listened, you better text me, let me know. <laughs> um, anyway... Oh man, I am trying to keep it some kind of linear narrative thing, which it totally is not. You don't have to. I don't have to. But I I think that, no, I don't think you did it all. I just think it's just like watching it and making sure that it's like, you know, not opportunistic and not exploiting. Not exploiting. Because I want to be made feel safe. So I have to make the other person feel safe. Create the environment that you want to be created for you. Yeah. It's like, it's like lead by example. That's something I didn't realize. I was like, I want to act like an asshole in a relationship, but I need the other person to be perfect. And then I have self-righteousness about it. And be loved. I want to be, I'm going to act like an asshole, but he better love me. Yeah. I should be able to do whatever I want. And that's don't what, control me. I told him, so funny, my boyfriend and I were laughing the other day and he's like, you know, I feel like we love each other unconditionally and you know, whatever. And I was like, no, we don't. Yeah. No, we don't. That's, that is bullshit. I call bullshit. I love you under many conditions, Yeah, you know, and this whole like, you know, delusional, magical thinking of unconditional love is just like a weird, like power play of like, I love you unconditionally. No, you don't. If I cheated on you, you you might still love me, but you, we wouldn't stay together. Yeah. I love you on the condition that you treat me with respect and that, you know, we play fair and that we, you know, fight fair and we create safe space. You know, it's, I have many conditions Yeah, because unconditional love got me in a quote, got me in a a lot of trouble for a really long time. Like how? Well, just like I'm going to stay in abusive um, relationships, sick relationships, addictive relationships, codependent relationships. Um, you know, there's, sorry for all these books, if anyone's in sticky relationships that you feel like you can't get out of, which is the definition of addiction, doing, you know, doing something that has negative consequences, um, continuing to do something despite negative consequences. Um, there's a great book. It's called The Codependent Narcissist dance? Is it the dance? Uh, something or I should Google it. Um, but it's a great sort of like how codependents and narcissists gravitate towards each other. And it's really hard to get out of those relationships, Yeah, you know? So I, I was dealt with that for a really long time, Oh God! but I was like, this is unconditional love. This person has all these flaws, but I love them unconditionally. This is so amazing. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, I'm good. Totally. Well, it's mommy's tired. You got to put the mask over yourself first before you put over the, you got to take care of yourself first. So you're trap trap. Trap? I oh, that's the name the, of the book? I think yeah. it's the track. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you trapped. feel trapped? Yeah, trapped. <laughs> You're I, leaving in a second. I just have trapped. I feel trapped by you. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, the Codependent Narcissist Trap, maybe. Great book. Very dramatic cover, but um, super worth reading if you're in a relationship where you're just sort of like, uh, I, I, I don't want to be in it and I don't want to be out of it. Here's the thing. These are things that scare me when I'm entering a new relationship. Because I, I didn't date for like three months. I'm listening to you. Keep going. I'm just Googling the name of this book. Okay. Um, I get terrified because I've experienced this before when I'm first having sex with a guy and I'm waking up with him in the morning and you, you're naked. You wake up to the guy you're dating. Uh and then, did you find it? You sleep naked? I do. I mean, if you're having sex, then you fall asleep, and then you wake up, you're naked again. Never slept naked in my life. Really? Yeah, no. I have a cool slip, too, sometimes. That's a cool slip? I don't know. How dare you? A cool <laughs> slip? <laughs> that feels like an oxymoron. Is there such a thing as a cool slip? So anyway. You a Stel Getty? <laughs> You wear a slip this to is sleep? Not, this is not my roast, Are you okay? Sharon Stone? Oh, I wish. She's, She's incredible. Who sleeps in a slip? <laughs> Kathleen Turner? These are all very strong, cool women. <laughs> you should try it. You'd love it. <laughs> anyway. Slip. This is what I fear. Have you ever late been next to a guy in bed, and then you, you wake up in the morning, and the first thing he does is 
he grabs his phone, glazes over and starts checking emails and Instagram and refreshing. Oh, you date, you date hustlers. Oh God. <laughs> um, I have a big rule. So my boyfriend, I'm, it's actually the opposite gender reversal in mine. I get up and I'm the one that's right on my phone. And he's like, can we just have a moment before you get on your phone? Cause I'm just like, you know, rescue animals, like blah, blah, yeah. trying to get in like the fucking vortex. Um, of uh, what parties I didn't get invited to the night before, oh, so really? I can just care? hurt my. Of course, you do. Yeah, of course. Oh, wow, and it's very natural too. That's true. It'd be weird if I didn't. I think I'd be a psychopath. Um, jury's still out on that. Oh boy, <laughs> you know. But no, we're. Just, it's something really interesting. I was talking to this uh, uh, this guy in um, what's it? What would it be? Psychiatry school? Yeah. School for psychiatry. And he was saying that um, we're designed to because we're designed to be in tribes. That um, every time we go into a situation with a group of people, our brain immediately tries to figure out where we are in the pecking order, right? Oh, so you walk no. in as a way to figure out who to follow if there's an earthquake or a fire or whatever. So, so you walk into a room and you go, okay, da, 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 this person's above me. This Like to figure out your rank, right? In the tribe. Am I the alpha? Am I the beta? Am I the omega? What am I? And we used to have to do that like twice a day, three times a day maybe, right? Because you'd go into a room and Oof. you'd go into whatever. When you go to an office, you're there most of the day. You go home, you have to do it again. Now, you're now with Instagram, Oof. you're seeing these groups of people. We're following celebrities and we're constantly being reminded how low we are oh, in the ranking. Why are you looking at me so intensely? I'm oh sorry. God, Whitney. See, Jeez. nobody knows if you had recorded this with video, video, people would see how intense I was looking. Next time. And that we're constantly looking at how low ranking we are. Yeah. And it is so destructive to our self-esteem. I mean, it's like, whatever. The, it's horrific what's happening with teenagers and stuff. And if I had this thing when I was in high school, I would lose my mind. Yeah, we we're just constantly reminded of how, you know, um. Anyway, but even in date with like phone etiquette on in, in dating with uh like when you're with another person. I mean, right now you guys can't Found see. Found it. Whitney is on her phone as I talk about people called phone this. <laughs> The human magnet syndrome, oh. the codependent narcissist trap by Ross Rosenberg. The book is uh, navy blue mm-hmm. and it's covered in barbed wire and oh, hearts. She, I have a friend who's in a relationship like that. I'll tell you after, okay. uh, but it's like, oh God, it's so destructive. He goes to yeah. her phone, tells her what audition she can go on. Uh, she never leaves the house. Or this is how and- sick I am. I'm like, oh, he sounds like he really loves her. I know. See, that's like my old brain. That's my old brain. Yeah. I'm like, God, I wish I had that. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but but I have not, I'm not... I have not had sex yet in like four months. Sorry, what's like, the thing that you said? That, oh, the guy that checks. So my boyfriend and I, we get in lots, lots of things about the phone. Yeah. We have pretty strong boundaries about it. I actually it. have to have you flip that over because I, I, I'll look at it. You're going to feel addicted, abandoned. I'm addicted to screens. No, yeah, me too. I'm addicted to screens. Do you ever put it on black and white? I have done that because I heard you say that, but uh-huh. then I'm like, I can't live like this. It's too boring. I'm like, I don't care what Whitney said. You know, like, yeah, it's like, it's too boring. I know. Yeah. That's my brand. Oh, no. Really <laughs> no, but not. it helps me. I just put, do it like so. If you guys, what I'm saying, if you guys are even still listening, they all hung themselves. You put it on. No. <laughs> you put it on gray. You can put your phone on grayscale, which makes your phone black and white. Which part of the reason that phones are so addictive is the color, because um, it produces cortisol, which is addictive, and serotonin and all that shit. Because basically, our brains think the phone is the sun. Light. Our brain just thinks all of it's the sun. So that's why it keeps us awake. But um, if you put it in black and white, it's just not as sexy, yeah. and you don't really want to check it as much. But in dating, with the waking up, so you do that oh. gender reversal. So you, so he's got it because this is called actually. I heard it's called sleep hygiene, where people are now yeah. like you have to sleep with your phone outside, even though. Yeah. I got my alarm on the thing, I so I had to buy that. another clock. Yeah. But uh, so, but that's what I worry about. Like, if I'm on a date, that's another checklist thing where I'm like, is he looking at his phone too much? Is he, am I being ignored? Is he checking the phone? We work. Do when you we feel wake, abandoned when we wake up first thing in the morning? I just think it's bad etiquette. It's like 
it's like closing the door when you're going to the bathroom. Don't yeah, leave the yeah, fucking yeah, door yeah. open. You so know? that's my thing. My thing is like, and Jerry Seinfeld did a bit about this. It's like, you would never, and I, I won't do it because and I don't remember it verbatim, but it's like, you would never, while you're sitting next to someone, like pick up a book and start reading a book yeah. or like a magazine or something. Totally. And my boyfriend and I, we, we sort of gotten into the beginning where I was just like, look, when you pick up your phone, not only is it rude, but I don't know what to do with my time. So I just, my thing is you're wasting my time when you're just like scrolling Instagram. So we actually do say like, hey, can I have on my phone real quick? Like, are you on your phone? And like, great. Yes, you can have on your phone. I don't control you, but I'm just going to go do something else. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I don't like the sort of willy nilly when we're together. It's not just we're scrolling through our phones whenever we want to because our neurochemicals are like, Ugh. well, it's important to have like, you know, this consciousness about it. It's just it. respect. Yeah, it's respectful. It's respect me. And then I get worried about porn. Is every man watching porn or fucking a sex bot? Like when you're talking yeah. about like, like I get concerned about that and it's yeah. like that bothers me. I want to live in a world where I feel like I'm like not all men watch porn. Like, I, I don't love you. Porn. You're obsessed with justice. I'm like this too. So maybe and like I think that's an justice? acceptance issue. Justice. What like, do you mean? You know, like I think that it's a very like a being outraged by an epidemic and trying to, and punishing the person you're in a relationship with for like a global epidemic that they didn't cause. <laughs> you know. So <laughs> do do not do that. No, my whole face just contorted. It's like my, my internal feeling just like fled to my face. And it was just like, yeah, yeah. It looked so sad. Well, I do that. Where like, I used to do this all the time. Like I would fight with society through my boyfriends. I remember one time Me too. I was with uh, this guy. It's a wonderful uh, guy that I lived with uh, for a while. And we were watching the Grammys. And remember when Jennifer Hudson lost a bunch of weight? Oh yeah, and she came out in the Grammys, and she was like, you know, thin and beautiful. You and know, he was she, like hubba hubba. She just goes. Th- he was like, damn. Uh, um, uh, what's her name? Oh, Jennifer Hudson. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Jennifer Hudson is so beautiful. I had no idea, and I snapped in a way that was like the anger of every woman. woman. <laughs> came through my chest and I was like, she was beautiful before you're shallow. Like this like impossible standard of beauty in other countries. That's bit like, I just went like apeshit on him and he was like, I feel like this isn't about me. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. You know, like I, you know, it's important to not take our rage against social constructs in society and like epidemics out on the one person who's just trying to love us. Ugh, is it? I mean, well, what about but the porn thing? How do you feel about it? Do all men just tell me what to do? Okay, you're my cool sister today. Again, I only fuck with people who are in some kind of recovery and have some kind of understanding of their addictive impulses and are trying to curb them in some way. Yeah. Um, But like, it's tricky. It's the kind of thing where it's like, if I don't know you're doing it, it doesn't affect me. But if I do know you're doing it, it does affect me, you know? And Ugh. like being okay with the secrets, you know, somebody keeps if they're even secrets. I mean, yes, there's, it, this is really getting in the weeds. It probably just depends on what kind of porn it is. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that's kind of my thing. It's mm. like, it's fine if you watch porn, if it's not it's like, like children porn. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah. like gang rape porn. Yeah. I mean, that is a deal breaker for me. Yeah. Um, I ask these questions too. I'll be on a date and I'll go, have you, I'll, I'll go, uh, totally casual just you know tell me yeah. no big deal I'm just asking some big deal have you ever seen a prostitute and then or have you ever why why are you doing this I ask too many questions and I hear the things I don't want to hear yeah and either don't it's do great, that don't no. and then and then I and, or I go have you ever had sex with a man have you never like no have you ever no, no, no. and then if no, I ask, no, no. ask it's ask, not a podcast it's a date I know oh yeah that you know that's my next podcast it's not a podcast, podcast it's is a, a date, date. Yeah. there is a big difference so don't do that I shouldn't ask about what kind of porn the guy watches or if he's no, an addict no it's an, none of your business why not none of your business I mean it's taking you'll your, find out later it's yeah, oh, you'll find out on your wedding day. <laughs> I'm like trying to bring you dry of like every answer I need for my life. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's taken me a real long time because look, I think that what you're doing and I think that in this time that I've spent with, and I see a lot of myself in you, 
Thank um, you. Genetics and otherwise. <laughs> but uh, I think that what we do is like, we just want to feel safe. And, and I think as we get older, we're just like, just tell me now. It feels a little bit like you're doing like, you're a monster. Just tell me now. Yes. But I think that going in with the assumption that the person's a monster, we're always going to find what we're looking for. Always. Oh. Right? So it's the kind of thing where it's like, again, maybe it's, we need to uh, do a little reading of getting to I do and accepting that we're, you know, it's like, have you made mistakes? Do you have secrets? Have you done something stupid? Like, yeah. I mean, if someone, on a, a guy came to me and was like, hey, have you ever cheated? I'd be like, oh. many, many times. <laughs> if that's a deal breaker for you, like, yes, I have cheated. That doesn't mean I'm going to cheat moving forward. Yeah. So it's like, have you seen a prostitute? Yes. Okay. Then you're addicted to prostitutes. Like, no, like people make mistakes. Like people have flaws. Those are usually the most interesting people. But like, I think think just going in looking for someone's flaw yeah you're always gonna find it i think it probably just depends on what you want okay i'm gonna get getting to i do on audio after this podcast do you okay this is what i think you should do on first dates and this is totally not a plug you don't have to buy my book i really don't care at this i point. would love to i'm on to the next thing okay there is i did write a whole chapter in my book of what you're supposed to do on a first date which is one play word association because i'm all about finding red flags i'm all about red flags i'm not saying tolerate bad behavior or like ignore red flags but I think just saying, hey, do you have this red flag? Do you have this red You're just putting someone on the defense. Yeah. Word association is a great way to just like explore someone's subconscious and have fun while doing it. And I have um, the Carl Jung uh, word association stuff in the book. Um, I always add like a couple other things. You know, it's basically like dog. Let's Cat. play word association. We can do, okay, are great. we doing it now? Okay. We can do it now. Okay. Black. White. Skin. Great. Sex. Good. Wet. Love. Money. Great. Mother. <laughs> okay. Well, you... <laughs> I don't know. Start over. But this is great. You don't have much, like you actually have way less darkness and way less of a haunted house of a brain than you think you do. I feel that. That was so simple. That was so just like, great. Da da da. Do it to me. Um, I don't even remember what you said. Just name any name. Any words. Uh, Dog. Dead. That's the first thing that came to my mind because I do so much animal rescue that I deal with dogs dying and awful things. So my brain goes to a very dark place. See, I'm failing this test. Uh, Sex. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like, huh? Complicated. Yeah. Uh, love. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I literally, my brain just went, brand. 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 Everyone's doing love. Love love yourself. Love has become Love like, Alexi. Love is, yeah. Love, this podcast. love has become a commodity. You know? Yeah. Self-love. What the fuck does that even mean? Oh, yeah. So see how when we reverse, mine is actually super complicated and dark. Yeah. I gotta, and I'm yours gonna, was delightful and simple. Just light and fun. Okay. Let's just do this game really quick that okay. I'm going to teach you how to do. Okay. Another thing you can do on a first date to find out red flags without just accusing someone of being a pedophile, like it seems like you're doing. Yeah. So you're going to play this test. This is something that um, Carl Jung, not Carl Jung, I just mentioned him, uh, Sigmund Freud, another white guy um, that would probably be on a list if they were alive today. Sure. Um, I'm going after Sigmund Freud, everybody. We're doing it today. You heard it this first. He's going down. (laughs) Most people... Most people are going after Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. I'm going after Albert Einstein. Sigmund and Albert. All right. Let's do it. Tell me everything. Okay. So this is a way to kind of just like get into someone's psyche. I don't want to tell you too much about it. I hope um, that guy's not listening. Okay. So I'm going to need you to tell me three things. I'm, I'm actually going to have you write it down, but I'm going to t- you're going to tell me your favorite animal. Okay. Your favorite article of clothing. It can be anything. It can be, you know, a pair of socks. It can be a ball gown. It can be a specific bra that you love. It could be a shirt that you made. It can be your mom's sweater. Um, Your favorite body of water. It can be a a glass of water. It can be a puddle. It can be a pool. It can be the, you know, ocean. I don't really give a shit. And then I want you to tell me the three things you feel 
when you open a window and the breeze comes on your face. I didn't really say that way. If you were open a window and a summer breeze were to hit your face, your three feelings. Okay, your favorite animal, you're going to be three reasons why it's your favorite animal. Okay. And don't make it your dog. Don't make it your cat. Make it your favorite animal. Not just your favorite, but also an animal you admire. So for example, the first thing when I was like, horse, 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 dog, dog. I have horse. I have a dog. And then I really gave it more thought. And then I was like, dolphin. I love dolphins. And I was like, no, but the animal I actually admire is a honey badger. They're amazing. Yeah. Honey badgers attack lions. They're fucking badasses. So honey badger was my favorite. And then three adjectives to describe it. Um, it's gritty. It's tough. It's scrappy. It's fearless. Like those are, you know, for example, my favorite article of clothing, I believe was a hoodie. Um, you know, at first I was like ball gown. I'm like, no, it's not my favorite article of clothing. Like, no, it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of like not the thing I w- have worn once um, that doesn't, you know, really do me any good. And because hoodies are comfortable, they're timeless and they're gender neutral. That's what I like about hoodies. Anyone can wear any of them. And then my favorite body of water was the new river. And well, you're still talking. I've totally tuned you out. I know. I, I, I realized really quick that I am now, I'm now hosting this podcast. You're doing way better than I, I do. I know. And right. so, but I want to give you time to do all this. Okay, okay, keep going. And everybody who's listening, this is a great game to play on a first date, a second date, you know, without having to be like, so why did your ex leave you? You know, and like everybody talking about how crazy their exes is, which nothing is more attract- unattractive to me than when a guy talks about his ex being crazy because you know that you're just the next crazy ex or the person that he pathologizes. And that is, okay, The Lexi is filling this out. I call you Lexi. Is that okay? I love it. means we're close. We're really? best friends for life. Or I just don't know your name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and the final one is when, and you need to think of these fast. I don't want you to overthink it. When a window opens and a breeze hits your face, what are the feelings you feel. Mine were nostalgic, like cleansed and relieved or something. Just really like gun to your head. Oh, no, I'm stealing yours. Bad <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, you can steal mine if you want. Um, nostalgic was pretty great. Yeah, just like when like, a breeze hits your face. Okay, got it. We're done. Okay, hold on. Let me just read. Okay. Let me just see to make sure. Did you do adjectives? Didn't I? Uh, yes. Okay, so your favorite animal. What's your favorite animal? Lion. Your favorite animal is lion. Okay, so a lion, this is again, uh, I didn't want to give too much away earlier because I didn't want it to make um, Alexi slash Lexi. Um, it, I didn't want it to affect her answers, but this is a test that Sigmund Freud used to do. This is a way to get into someone's subconscious and I'll tell you what it says about you. They give this test out like at rehabs and stuff to, to test people before they come in because everyone goes into a meeting and is like, I'm confident and I'm strong and I know what I'm doing, but that's never who anyone actually is. So this is a tricky way to find out who someone is, not who they pretend to be. Your favorite animal is lion. Uh, your favorite animal says, represents how you see yourself. What are the three adjectives? Oh, I've got another one too. Well, strong, virile, royal, protective, and loyal. I love that. So, that's fantastic. I could be your best friend if you let me. But that that is, <laughs> that's one. That's great. Okay. That's like really spot on. And it's so interesting um, because a lot of times the way you see yourself is kind of like negative. Yeah, I project that, but I don't mean it. I'm just really loving. But yeah. anyway, sorry. Or, but let me ask you something. If I had said to you, so how do you see yourself? You wouldn't be like strong, loyal, because we have shame. And we'd be like, I'm complicated and neurotic and I'm silly. Like sometimes we disparage ourselves when we talk about ourselves directly and we misrepresent ourselves. Yeah. I call it bad PR. Like you have bad PR for yourself, you yeah. know, because like to aggrandize ourselves is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of like a sideways way to find out how someone sees themselves without making them like, you know, 
have to grossly compliment themselves. Okay. And your favorite article of clothing is Levi's jeans, 501s. Love it. Levi's jeans um, says is about the way people view you. Oh, wow. What are the adjectives? Classic, flattering, sexy. Love it. Absolutely. Oh, my God, you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> you are those two. Absolutely those three things. But here's what I'll say. There is a dissonance between the way you see yourself and the way other people see you. Oh. You know? So there's a lot of parts of you that people don't see, which is kind of... It's always just cool to think like, okay, here's the mask I wear. Here's how I see myself and here's how other people see me. So I saw myself as a gritty... Like voracious honey badger, like will fight anything, like ready. And then people see me as a hoodie, comfortable, classic, timeless, cozy. Yeah, I was like those are antithetical to each other. I see myself as like always at war, and everyone else sees me as just kind of this nice person. Yeah. So it was actually kind of interesting that dissonance. Uh, what's your favorite body of water? water? Bathtub, cozy, womb like, safe and warm. Tell you, you sex. Oh, cozy, womb-like, safe and warm. Yeah, I used to always think sex was like meditation because I could finally turn my head off and like yeah. and like love someone and like let them know how much I love them and like through like I'm so alive during it. Yeah, this is way too much about me. <laughs> Wendy Cummings. I love it. Um, but yeah, this is a play this um, my vagina's game like a with warm bathtub. It is. It's a womb. I mean, it is. Okay. Mine was uh, the new river, which it's like sometimes rough, sometimes <laughs> soft. Like sometimes it dries up in the summer. Like, it was like exactly on point. Yeah. And then the when you open a window and a breeze hits your face is how you view death. Oh, relieved, nostalgic, I stole yours, warm and alive. Yeah. I'm not really scared of death because I subscribe to that we're all just souls who leave our body and then we'll come back later. Well, I just think it's funny that I when I I view death as relief, like, oh, thank God. I actually feel that way because it's hard being alive. This is fucking difficult. I know. It's very challenging. Yeah. I know. But this is like, instead of just saying, going straight to the point and being negative on dates, you can kind of go a sideways, playful way. And you really do believe this to be true. I've never done it and had it not in some way. I mean, look, maybe it's like a horoscope. We sort of, it's like a Rorschach test. We kind of make things fit our reality. What's your I'm a Virgo. You're a Virgo. I'm an Aquarius. I don't know what that means, but I'd love to know. Yeah. It's like, maybe this would apply to anybody, but it's just kind of a nice way to start conversation and generate. Instead of being like, you hate women. Instead of attack. People, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's a way to sort of subtly attack someone instead yeah. of blatantly attack someone. Yeah, I feel like I don't think a first date should feel like a job interview or like a background check. Yeah, you know. Oh boy, but but yeah. still keep your eyes open for red flags. Totally, there's a, there's a happy medium. We covered a lot of ground. We got to get you out of here at some point in a, in a second. If you've been here for an eon, okay. Real yes. Qu- okay. We just have to tell girls who voraciously DM me. Your skin routine. Why are you so beautiful? How do you do it? That is so what do you weird. use, please? And your body. Fitness. I face keep checking the mirror yeah, on me the too. back of my oh, I love that. phone because I'm so insecure about my skin. Um that's just like yeah. Look, mirror break. No, I'm literally yeah, I'm literally and I have um You look great. No, you're gorgeous. Eyeliner that bleeds into my lower eye so it looks like I have really bad like um it's called heroin chic uh, yes very right, cool. right 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 okay so what do you do um, we'll okay you- so my skin routine is pretty savage uh, wow uh, yeah I do the derma roller which I got on Amazon it's a little roller that you makes little holes in your face so that your product actually absorbs into your skin I use a shocking amount of oil grapeseed oil argan oil um, there's this stuff that I get it's actually from Whole Foods it's super uh, affordable I think it's like $22 it's a serum. It's called Source Natural Skin Eternal Serum. It kind of burns a little bit. It's got hydrolonic acid in it. Um, I do that. 
I do this thing called the new face, which is a little thing that electrocutes your skin. I do it every day in the car when I'm driving. I have that too. You think it works? I think it seems like, I mean, you look great. I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's like, I feel like I do so much shit that I, I, I'd have to isolate all the variables to know what's actually working. Please, please don't do that. Too much work. Constant amount of oil. Um, I do coconut oil as well. I just, like basic cheap oils that you can get sort of anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then I have specific products, but I kind of alternate. I'm not really loyal to anything. There's this Italian company. It's called Santa Maria Novella. And they have a store on Melrose, but they're online and everywhere. And it's kind of hard to buy their products sometimes, but they have like some amazing oils and um, serums and stuff that I use. Um, that's kind of it. I'm trying to think what else is something that would like blow people's mind that I do. It's just a, a tremendous amount of oil. There's a great cream. If you're going to invest in cream, it's called Valamont, V-A-L-A-M-O-N-T. It's a French company. It's There's a lot of different price points, but that's the sort of cream that I use. Yeah, you don't use La Mer or uh, Sunday Riley? I'm not going to spend $500. I used to. That's where all my money went. It's I couldn't so believe expensive. It. If you guys want to send us some free stuff, I'd be happy to use La it. La Mer... But I just, you know, sunscreen and like all that shit. Um, yeah, I've had La Mer before, um, but Valamont is really thick and heavy as well. And it's yeah. like $300 less. Yeah. What was the one that you said after that? Sunday Riley. Sunday Riley. I, I love that brand. Yeah. But the oil, I feel like. The blue oil. It's just, it's just, a, it's, I literally get vats of grapeseed oil yeah. from Whole Foods. It's the same. That's $5. Yeah. You know, and the Sunday Riley, I feel like I'm running out. I feel like I can only use it for a couple weeks. Yeah. They have this thing where you can put on your face and it's like lactic acid and then you do another thing and it's called like a some kind of uh, immediate facial that they do for girls before they go on the runway, but the girls are 14 anyway, so who cares? Yeah. But like, anyway, um, what about your fitness stuff? My fitness? And more skin stuff if you think of it. I'm going to think of more skin stuff because I feel like I have so much of it and like, why aren't I remembering it? But a lot of it is like, like the more shit you're putting in your face, the more it's just going to break out and stuff, which I am right now because of, um, I did also take Accutane a very long time ago. Me too, twice. Yeah, me too, twice yeah. as well. yeah. I did that when I was like a kid, but um, I'm sure that's why I'm insane. No. Uh, remember they were like, this is illegal? That, it turns out, you <laughs> did know it why? Ever... It was somebody in the government's son killed themselves and they found a, a prescription for Accutane that was never, uh, wow. he never got Accutane and they just, and they used that. To, that's what I heard. That's the, well, it's to blame his suicide on that. It's so tricky because when you're a teenager, you're so fragile anyway. So if moody. you're already struggling and you have crazy acne, it's like. Yeah. Why shouldn't you try to kill yourself? Yeah. I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I was no, joking. I mean, it's not like minimizing it, but. <laughs> When yeah. you're a kid, your I, mobility I mean, is fucked. Oh, yeah. I used to when I I used to get cystic zits that hurt. Like I couldn't even lay on them yeah. when I was a teenager. I was like, I was like, I would kill myself if I knew how. Yeah. I totally that crossed my mind yeah. when I was a kid. You're so hormonal. Yeah. And all, your skin is everything and your face is everything when you're a, a teenager, which is awful. But um uh, fitness, I used to be way more into it. I'm now um, but I realized I was overdoing it for kind of the, some unhealthy reasons. Um, and I struggled with eating disorders for a very long time. So I'm not in a place where I like restrict eating now. I'm just trying to do like anti-inflammatory diet, not too much sugar because that sucks for your skin. Um, and just, I don't eat, eat meat. You don't eat meat? No. Oh, that's good. No. Once you do enough like animal rescuing, it's really hard. Like I have a horse, I have like pigs. Once yeah, you like, horse. once you get to know pigs, it's really hard to go back. Well, so you're, you're doing all this therapy and you're talking about all these books. What is this horse therapy? We see on your Insta stories with horses all the time. What is that? It's really just when you don't, because most horses are dominated and it's not really good for them and they shut down emotionally, which is a bummer. I don't want to bum anybody out. But when you have a non-denominational, non um sort of controlling relationship with prey animals, you can develop a really amazing bond. And for me, I think because of what I come from and because of this this 
compulsive need to perform. I actually needed to work with animals to figure out how to get authentic again and to even figure out what my actual personality was because I found myself when I would meet people, I would constantly be like, okay, this person, I have to act really smart and this person, I have to be really funny and this person, I have to dumb down myself because I don't want them to feel like I'm challenging them and this person, I have to like be direct and I was just finding myself being like kind of um, a chameleon, trying to just like try to be all things to all people and um, try to shape shift according to what other people needed. So I sort of needed a neutral person who like isn't in the business, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't care if I'm funny or interesting, um, or like what Atlantic article I read this morning yeah. or what Netflix series I just binged. You know, because it's like you walk into a conversation and you just want to have as much social currency as possible now. Yeah. And like horses don't care what you do; they don't care if you're funny. And it just was like a nice way to, you know, build some new neural pathways about just being authentic and not not performing all the time. It sounds like that's how. A relationship should feel with a boyfriend. Yeah. Right. That's honestly, and they also teach you something really amazing, which will circle back to what we were talking about before, which is horses when they're woke horses, when they're not, you know, being used or, um, uh, basically what we do is we degrade horses in the way that we use them. And when they're not being degraded, they wake up and they're wild, like wild stallions and stuff. Like my horses, you know, we've built up to be a wild horse again, yeah. is that they're actually quite dangerous and they want to be close to you, but they can hurt you, right? So a lot of times I find in relationships, um, you get hurt by accident because you're just too close and you just have entrenched too much. So what ends up happening is that if you guys have seen on Instagram, I have this thing, it's called an energy extender. It looks kind of like a whip, but it's more like a stick and it's a way to just claim your space. Oh, wow. And essentially what happens is when like the horse gets too close to you and you claim your space, my brain says, if you claim space or set a boundary, the person's going to go away. You're going to get rejected. They're not going to love you anymore. And this horse, because again, my brain needs proof. The horses have shown me that when you claim your space, you actually get closer because you tell the truth. And when you tell the truth about your reality, that's actually when you're able to get close. And that's what true intimacy is. It's coexisting in an interdependent relationship instead of a codependent relationship. So love isn't actually smothering each other because I've made this mistake many times where I'm like, want to hug him and I want to take selfies and I want to cuddle him. Texting and then constantly. Texting. And, you know, told, yeah. And then texting constantly, texting constantly. And then he doesn't text back for two hours and you're, you just got hurt. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, oh, I hurt myself by accident because we're just too close, you know? And so it's really helped me to learn ostensibly that, you know, you don't need to have physical proximity in order to have intimacy. And I was working through a long distance relationship, which is a great way to feel like shit all the time and feel like the person is failing and allow the person you're with and the animal to go have a life. Like I used to walk into the arena with my horse and he'd go smell something. And I'd be like, he hates me. He can't say, and you really figure out what your inner monologue is like, you know, they really hold up a mirror to who you are and, um, reflect back in a way so I can work through my feelings without taking it out on someone that I love, love you know? So it's, it's a really amazing, you know, they do it in rehabs. They do, you know, I think equine therapy is starting to become more of a thing, but it's a great way to just coexist with another being without putting any pressure on it yeah. and learning to not put pressure on people and not have unrealistic expectations and just be able to get all your internal needs met internally without making the other person take care of you. Holy shit. Then you can just have a nice, calm, lovely time with the other person instead of making them. And you can do yeah. amazing things. Yeah. You actually can do much, you know, it's interesting because it's like people are like, do you write it? And just, blah, and the people are just, we do all the same things everybody else does. You, you, we jump, we ride, but we do it it's taken longer, you know, like the pacing, like what yeah. you're doing in your relationship now. Yeah. Um, but you can actually do way more amazing things when you're not forcing something to yeah. do it, you know? Cause my whole thing was like, I'm just going to force people to act the way I want them to behave. So I feel safe. But when you actually pe- give people the space to make the choice themselves, 
much more amazing things can happen. Yeah. And you don't have to go, oh, well, they only did that because I made them, which is the worst feeling in the world to have, to be in a relationship and go like, to doubt it because you're like, oh, they only are here because I guilted them. I shamed them because I blamed them for this thing and they're scared of me. You don't yeah. want someone, you know what I mean? Love with someone that's scared of you. Oh my God, this is going to be so helpful for so many girls, so many people. Definitely I me. I so. I feel like that was a blather. That was La- a big blather. Not a big blather, but last thing is we land this plane and then we'll get you the fuck out as of here. As we land this as plane. As we land this goddamn plane. Are you happy now? I'm pretty happy. I mean, look, it's I'm in a business where you get rejected a lot, you know, and your feelings get hurt a lot, but that's okay. I'm just an acceptance in the fact that, you know, I'm allowed to get my feelings hurt. That's no one owes me anything. When was, when did everything change in your career? When was that moment? What was the one thing where you're like, holy shit, was it when you're on Chelsea? Was it uh, like, when did everything completely change? Cause then it was just like, you're just everywhere. It was like Whitney, the talk show, two broke girls, you know, uh, book, stand up, like all, but what was the thing that went, that changed your entire life? Where you're like, holy fucking shit, my whole world's gonna change. Oh God, um, that's a great question. I'm I, I'm um, and I'm feeling pressure to answer. Oh, you don't well or eloquently, but I don't know if I know an answer because, like anything, like this is also gradual, it you was, know. Yeah. And I feel like such a failure all the time that I'm always like, you know, you don't really feel like a failure. You oh can't. my God, all the time. It's like because here's the thing: if you you know, at every level you're at, there's still, you know, you're just being rejected by bigger people or getting, you know, losing jobs to even more, you know, it's like, you can always recreate that feeling at every level. Like I'm writing a new hour special right now and I feel like an open micer again. You know, I've done three specials and I'm like, oh God, is this joke going to work? And I'm like, you'd think this would be gone by now, you know, this self-doubt or this trepidation, but I don't think that ever goes away. And I think it's unfair to expect that, you know, um, of myself. So I'm trying to be gentle around it, but I mean, it must have been my first stand-up special um, or one of the roasts. That's what people tell me. Oh, the roast. You yeah. know, I think that's what people tell me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I have no self-awareness or I have no idea how I'm perceived. So I think it's too hard for me to answer that. Did you like doing the talk show or was it not for you? You know, I don't think a talk show wasn't for me. I think a talk show on E! wasn't for me because I think talking about celebrities just isn't my strong suit. I feel... I feel uncomfortable criticizing people and like, you know, um, I kind of wanted to have on like Michael Moore and Malcolm Gladwell. And I sort of wanted to do this thing, but I was kind of on the wrong network for that. So they were lovely. I just don't think I was the right fit, you know, for E. Um, because I, I don't really, I, I, I have nothing negative to say about the Kardashians. I don't watch it. I don't watch watch all that garbage. I just, just, I was just like, I don't know. I like honey boo boo. I don't know what to ask honey boo boo on a talk show. Like I just not the fit. Yeah. So I just, I think that, you know, um, it was just not, yeah. And I think it's really important to get a point in your life where it's like, you're able to like part ways in a way that is self-aware and not like, I just want to keep doing this because it makes me seem successful. It's like, yeah. I think it's good to know when to call it like, Oh, this isn't my strong suit. That's okay. What time do you wake up in the morning and manage your day? Even you have an assistant, but how do you structure your day? I, um, it depends. Every day is slightly different depending on how long the podcasts I do are. Yeah. You're getting out of here in seven I'm minutes. Joking, I'm, I'm joking. Serious. I'm yeah. totally joking. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> um, 
I, it depends. Like I, I, I don't wake up that early cause I do stand up at night. So I, I'm really big on eight hours of sleep. Like a lot of people, I feel like these super like Elon Musk and stuff, they're like, I sleep 20 minutes a night. And I'm like, I just can't do that. Yeah. Like I just, I'm not capable. And speaking of skin stuff, as soon as I started sleeping, my skin got so much better. Um, so I have to sleep cause I know that I'm just a bitch. If I don't, that's a bottom line for me. I wake up, hang out with my dogs. I write. Um, but every day is kind of different, but depending on what I'm working on, like I was editing the movie and then I was tour- doing a book tour and I was working on Roseanne. So it's always really different, but yeah. I don't really have any like, you know, I, I believe strongly in rituals, but I'm not like, you know, I go see my horse three times a week. I think the key for me is having two non-work related um, hobbies a week, two hours twice a week so that I, my brain is not, because I believe strongly in brain rest because we, when we work all the time, your brain stops being as productive yeah. and it's not optimal. Do you so drink? I, I don't really drink. You don't really drink. No. Good to know. I don't really drink. I'm done then. Are you done? I don't uh, do. I don't even, I don't know anything I have about like, you. I have rosé sometimes, but I always yeah. ask, I always ask people, I respect what they're scheduling. Oh, their I love life that. Like, Great question. I'm not drinking because it makes other people go, oh wow, maybe I shouldn't be fucking binge drinking all Here's night. You know? say. I don't think drinking looks good on me. It's not a cute look on me. It's, you've had enough of, you've done it before. I, I have, but it's just like, it's never goes, I'm, cause my drug is control and I want to go to a party and like talk to people and like dig in and find out what makes people tick. I don't want to just be like this mess and my capacity or, you know, for shame is so high already and embarrassment that it's like anything that's going to increase my ability to embarrass myself. I <laughs> try to stay away from, but I don't know. I, I, I just did. I have a lot of alcoholism in my family and it, um, it's just never something that I, that I found particularly fun. I smoke weed. I have gummies. Like I will do that. But drinking just makes me feel like shit. And like I get migraines. It just never really worked for me. I'm such a downer. I'm this is great. Bummer. No, I love it. No, this bummer. is... Fun. Listen, you I did don't know, everything great. I don't know a ton of people who are like, oh my God, he took over the world. He accomplished all his dreams and he has five glasses yeah. of wine a night. Like it's just not a, like super yeah. fuel. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me personally. It just, it cuts my productivity and clarity in half. I wish I was into vape pens or CBD or gummies because I tried to buy these new uh, yuppie, beautifully packaged CBD vape pens at Airwan the other day. And I just returned them the next day because I'm just like, Nothing. what is this shit? It's not for me. Even Have I'm you like, ever done the gummies? I'm going to try some gummies. Well, what are you doing it for? What am I doing it for? Yeah. Stress relief? I guess just stress relief. Fun? Like the, the body tingly feeling of like being hugged by a cloud or whatever. But really, I, I like control too. I like being really sharp. I like being very caffeinated. Yeah. And so maybe it's not for me and that's fine. Yeah. It's, there is this sort of thing of like, how, like I know like when I don't go out and don't drink because I do stand up at night and I don't want to drink before I do stand up. People are like, why don't you drink? There's this thing where people bully you about not drinking. It's yeah. like, sorry. Like, it's such a weird thing. It, yeah. It is such a weird thing that we all ingest poison to be less... Uh, aware of our surroundings. Well, also people, people are so into psychedelics, though. So I yeah. wasn't sure if that's something people are like, it's a tool to get closer to. And I don't know if you ever that's got into not mushrooms. That's untrue. I'm doing, yeah, I ha- it didn't go well for me. I yeah. did it when I was like way younger. I, that's, I'm too neurotic for that. Yeah. Um, but I am doing ayahuasca soon. Exciting. Yeah. In LA or far away? In LA. All right. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to have you back for the four-hour podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, just come. Just come watch me puke for two hours. Can't wait. I'll I'll be there. I think it's all about like figuring out what works for you. That just didn't work for me. Weed totally works for me, certain kinds. Like, But I just, alcohol just, I don't metabolize it well. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. I'm not a star. I can't shine bright on rosé. shine bright like a... Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, you did the podcast. You were probably my, you were my best podcast guest no ever way. in the entire world. That's true. I love you. Thank you for doing it. Abrupt ending. I mean, I don't know. How do we do it? How do we dismount? <laughs>
the plane. My grandma just died. How fucking dare you? Let's do it perfect. Thank you for being on Hold the podcast, on. Wendy Cummings. A, wait, I want to do a video of it. You guys, you guys, we got, you guys can cut out, but I just want to record. No, don't cut out. Leave it. I have, have the four bad. minutes, then you could run out of here. Oh. All right. Are we doing it? Yeah. What's happening? Did you have a great time on the Love Alexi podcast, Whitney Cummings? I had a blast. You're Thank such you. a star. Thank I don't you. even have to put a filter on you. Oh, yes, you do. Please <laughs> put a filter on me. <laughs> oh, get out of here. <laughs> Damn it. You are too cute. I, I, feel free to tag me. It's at Alexi Wasser. All right. We're out of here. The podcast isn't its own thing? I think it's over. Oh, no. No, I just... mean its own tag. Oh, no. It's just at Alexi Wasser. Okay.